Bonacera, Senorina Bonacera. Hello and welcome to episode 142 of the Filmiac Podcast. I'm John. I'm Kevin. And I'm JR. This week we're talking. Jay, no, whose pick is this? Kevin's pick. <laughs> Kevin's pick. Big Night, from 1996, directed by Stanley Tucci and Campbell Scott, starring uh, Stanley Tucci and Campbell Scott and Tony Shalhoub and other people. And uh, we'll also be talking about what we watched and uh, a couple of trailers that dropped, some some biggins. And uh, how's it going? How are you guys doing? It's going all right. Um, I have a blown out tire right now. So, Yikes. yeah, but other than that, you know, it's just keeping busy in the summer. Yeah, I hear you, man. Summer yeah. rocks. Mm. No. Okay. Summer doesn't rock. <laughs> it, it doesn't suck, but it doesn't rock. It's really hot. And, um, you know, I'm doing summer school, so like I'm working. But uh, oh, tomorrow's God. the last day, but so that's good. Okay. And then it'll be then it'll be better. And uh, got to go to New Orleans over the weekend and see Duster, which was good. That's cool. Yeah. Although it was like insanely hot in the Toulouse Theater in New Orleans. Where's that? Like, no, no air conditioning. It's where One Eye Jacks was. It's, it, is, to... oh, okay. it is One Eye Jacks, except it's called Toulouse now. And uh, the last time I had been there was 2011 to see the um, Elephant Six Holiday Surprise Tour, <laughs> where I met uh, I met lots of interesting and great people like John Karen Fernandez and uh, Julian Coster, Scott Spillane, lots of other Elephant Six stalwarts. And uh, this time, oh, I also met Steve Zahn that night. He was there. For uh, the show Treme, he was filming. Yeah, and oh, uh, nice. I met him and talked to him about Herzog for a second because you know <laughs> he was in uh, Rescue Dawn. And um, but this time didn't meet anybody interesting, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> but did see you know got to see Duster play and uh, some god awful generic band open for them. And uh, who that was, was it? Who was it? As they were called, um, they're probably my favorite band. Oh, no, you've never heard of them. They're from they're from California. They're called uh, fuck. What are they called? It's a really terrible name. It's like oh, it's like widows. Something with sour widows, sour widows. And they were just like sleepcore. They were so fucking boring, dude. <laughs> like I, I wanted to just pass out. I was like every time that every after every song they're like, okay, we're gonna play a new one now. And I was like, nobody knows this is the new one. <laughs> nobody knows your music. Relax. <laughs> Yeah, I was just yeah. really angry at them because they just took way too long. I wanted Duster to get on so we could get the fuck out of there because I was dripping sweat. It was so fucking hot. Yeah. <laughs> it was miserable, dude. Shit. I mean, Damn. I went, I was in uh, Arkansas for a week and it felt really nice in Arkansas. Mm, that's, pretty, that's up there north, eh? Well, no, dude, it's right. It's right above you. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I so, mean, oh, I'm, I'm in South Louisiana, JR. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I was, I'm in South. Uh, North South is relative, you know. But so, like, we go there every year uh, in like this this Lake State Park right outside of Hot Springs. And mm-hmm. last year, Sarah and I both like left. Like when we left, we were like, we can't ever come back because it was like feels like 115 every single day that we were oh, there. Wow. Yeah, it was man. so brutal. Um, 
this is like the and it, this is like the nicest it's ever felt. Usually it does not feel good, usually, but it is, you know, just like normal southern shitty hot. Yeah, man. Why do you go then? Yeah, what kept you coming back in the first place? I mean, it's my like extended family has been doing like a family reunion trip there oh, okay. every year since way before I was born. Um, I so, thought you, you know, just just you and your wife and kid were going. Oh fuck! Mm. No. <laughs> I don't know why Arkansas. I mean, Ar- sorry, Arkansas. Um, what I've seen of it is like a beautiful like state. It's very green and hilly sure. and, yeah. and pretty. But yeah, I'm not just like choosing Arkansas. I'm not counting a, the people that say it's very beautiful. I don't, you know, the, I'm sure there are really nice people there. No offense to people in Arkansas. Jeff, uh, Jeff Nichols is from, from just outside Little Rock. Formerly great director, Jeff Nichols. Yeah. yeah. And his brother is still great musician, uh, Ben Nichols. I don't know who that is. That's a singer of, uh, Lucero. No, I, I it's don't okay. know what that is. <laughs> Sorry, right. uh, they did the music for uh, Shotgun Stories because uh, oh, because Jeff was uh, Jeff was feeling cheap. It's like I need a favor. It's been a while. <laughs> I haven't seen Shotgun Stories in ten years at least. Need to rewatch. Need to pop it on. I did just uh, watch the uh, Criterion Closet video of Michael Shannon. So, oh, cool. Did you see oh, yeah, that? After, no. It's become a meme immediately. Like yeah, like that, this. The, that's like the this is pleasant. Yeah, now he's like, go, he's like, he's like, I'm such I'm a, a lucky, lucky boy. boy. I can't yeah. wait to go home. <laughs> I had no idea what that was from. I thought yeah, that was from the Criterion Closet. Yeah, yeah. Thought I missed like an SNL skit or something. <laughs> it does seem like it, doesn't it? <laughs> he's like super fucking awkward, eh? That's yeah. incredible. Okay, now I have to watch that. Yeah, well, that's good. I mean, the, and Yellow Tango just did one also uh, yesterday, mm. which was sort of annoying because they're talking over each other constantly, but. You know, you get three people in the closet. It's a little much. Let's, uh, unless it was us three, Criterion, that would be great. Oh, that would be. We yeah. would love it. And yeah. we wouldn't talk over each other. In fact, no. we could script it if you wanted. <laughs> we would make a great fucking video. And uh, we are, you know, we're accepting invites. We're accepting invites for things other than the uh, the Criterion closet, too. We would. Of course. Just go to the Criterion Absolutely. office. Um, we'll do, we'll take yeah. whatever whatever you'll you'll invite us to anything at all really you know it's interesting i actually think every time i see the the videos and they pull they're pulling movies off the shelf and i'm always like i would never pull that movie off the shelf you know what i mean and then i think like what movie would i pull and then i'm like i pretty much own everything i want from criterion so like (laughs) i would just be like i bet get like the agnes varda set because i've always wanted that but like like i just you know it's like little i'd want to talk about movies but i wouldn't actually i don't know that i would take many of them because i already have all of them. it would be hilarious to walk in there and grab only like the 120 dollar sets <laughs> yeah exactly <Yeah. laughs> like, oh, linus varda is my favorite yeah. um bergman pasolini <laughs> grab a, grab a couple of uh a couple of those pasolini sets and put them on ebay yeah, yeah. swordsman set yeah. that yeah. i've Never wanted to pay seventy dollars for. It. Let's do it. Do you think yeah, they have totally. in the closet? Do you think they have like out of print shit? I bet they do. Mm-hmm. I bet they've they got the Sounds of the Lambs and RoboCop in there, or like in Ar- Armageddon. Sounds of the Lambs is a is a blue now, but I mean, do you think they have uh, like I, mm-hmm. I I mean yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. It's been for a while. I see. Actually, I think they should release it on four K if I'm not mistaken. But well, um, the uh, what about the isn't the Kurosawa set like old the DVD set? That's out of print, right? You think they have that? Uh, yeah, like his uh, his mm. birthday set, or was that 
Wasn't was it, it a birthday set? See. I don't know. Was Ingmar um, Bergman's the birthday set? No, I don't remember. Yeah, I think it was like his hundredth birthday. I want to. Yeah, I want to say it says a hundred. It says a hundred twenty-five film collection. Yeah, right. Here, Chris, oh, 100. It's it's literally nine hundred bucks on eBay. Well, that's absurd. And I would absurd. grab one of those and then sell it on eBay. But if Criterion's listening, I would never do that. I would just watch it. Right. And love it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> These are lies. John speaks lies. We just want this set. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's got some good stuff in it. I mean, it's got pretty yeah. much you know, everything you think of. Yeah, I think I would probably be like, "Hey, why isn't this on Blu-ray yet? Why isn't this on Blu-ray yet?" Like, yeah, I, exactly. Yeah, you'd have to call them out for sure a little bit. Like, what's the fucking deal with this dude? Hey, where's Buster Scruggs at, motherfuckers? Am I yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Buster Scruggs, the bad sleep well. Like, you know, dreams. A whole lot of a whole lot of shit. Is not in this set, weirdly enough, because it is a mm. sort of staple of theirs. But anyway, yeah. um, all right. Well, let's start talking about this trailer. Uh, big trailer drop from Luca Guadagnino, his new film uh, Challengers, starring Zendaya uh, of Euphoria and Spider-Man fame, and uh, also starring uh, Mike Faced. Feist or Feist? Feist? I'm going to go Feist. Feist? I like Feist better. Mike Feist and uh, (laughs) from. uh, from, (laughs) Has anybody uh, seen Mike Feist? Actually, I remember loving him in West Side Story, so I'm really. He was. Selling point for this for me. He was the best performance in West Side Story, I thought. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. Far and away. Um, So, yeah, this is a movie about. um, Oh, and then I'm sorry. There is another actor, Josh O'Connor. Thank you. I don't know. <laughs> I've never heard of him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, this movie's about a, or looks to be about a love triangle of sorts. Mm. Zendaya is a professional tennis player, and uh, she has a torrid affair with two friends, and they, uh, yeah, Josh O'Connor, and they uh, split apart, and she ends up marrying one of them, and I guess there's still feelings for the other one. Seems a little bit, honestly, a little bit of a, Vanilla scenario for Guadagnino, if you ask me. But you know, there there are hints at um, you know some hardcore emotional manipulation and stuff. Mm-hmm. Just, I don't think we get enough of like what is going on with these tennis players. And, you know, we see Zendaya get injured. It looks like maybe she is no longer. Play- I, I don't know. Uh, I thought this was going to be. She's his coach. It says so in the yeah. Uh, thing, but like, right? she, and at the beginning, coach. she's supposed to be like. The huge right. star. She's Venus Williams or Serena uh, Williams. Right. But man, I, I guess uh, like the the whole like like it's you know, from the trailer it's obvious that it's more than just a triangle, like, you know, there's a threesome that's, you know, oh, yeah. the center of this. So well, that's when they're kids, you know. Yeah, when they were teenagers, but they weren't yeah. teenagers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the um I misunderstood what this movie was and uh when you asked if we'd watch this, I, I did legitimately forget uh, that Challengers was the new Luca Guadagnino movie because like that name is just really boring to me. I knew that he was making a movie about or around uh, tennis, mm-hmm. and I definitely thought this was going to be like just like a straight up sort of like romantic sports film, a la Wimbledon. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know why I thought that. I thought that based on nothing, and uh, I was wrong. This is not. This is not that. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. Wimbledon was like a rom-com, right? Mm. Yeah, dude. One of the best. Yeah. <laughs> it's not one of the best. Okay, <laughs> relax. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, and this is also a, a rated R, officially. Yeah. So we can assume there will be some steamy sex in this. Which is also weird because, I mean, as far as I've seen, Zendaya has been pretty not doing those kinds of things in any of her work. Mm. She hasn't been nude, for instance, in anything. Well, yeah. I was, I was, like, she's done more adult, you know, thematically adult things. Like, oh, uh, oh, like Euphoria is extremely adult, but I mean, I'm well, saying, but it's, it's not, but, but, but she, she, she's not the one fucking in it. That's what I'm saying. Right. <laughs> and she's playing a kid in that. I, I guess I was thinking more of like the other Sam Levinson thing. Malcolm and Marie, which oh right, yeah, yeah. was really bad. Oh. you know about like a yeah, never saw an that. adult relationship for sure. Um, was she nude in that? Uh, no, she was not nude in that. It's just two people talking in a house. Yeah, uh, there's no reason to to get to get nude for that one. I don't know if they. Fu- it says sexual content on. They the, do. Uh, they kind of hang yeah. out in their in their underwear for a minute as they're okay. like changing clothes. That's it. They discuss. Yeah. They discuss fucking. They discuss a lot of a lot of fuck talk. <laughs> of course, um, yeah. So I didn't know this was a Netflix thing. Well, you wouldn't. You would think it would be on HBO, wouldn't you? Challengers is Netflix. No, uh, sorry, Malcolm and Marie. Oh yeah, sorry. Um, anyway, sorry. Yeah, you know, maybe. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It seems like HBO is taking any everything they want from Sam. Sam can do whatever he wants, even if it's. Well, Some you know, shit with the weekend, right? The idol is uh, not <laughs> doing well in the ratings, apparently. And it's rumored that it's already been canceled behind that, the scenes. That was weird. But also I had read before that it was meant to be a limited series. So that's weird too. But then mm. also like saw this report where like the pilot of the idol has like way more views than like the pilot of um, either euphoria or the white Lotus had at this point. It's like, mm-hmm. I, and like those shows were, were new and didn't have like an awareness. And I think that this show definitely does. And they're hoping for, um, the fans of like, who is like the weekend is legitimately just giant star. Did you uh, watch the second episode? I watched the third episode too. Okay. I, I didn't watch the third one yet. I, I, I have a disease and I need to stop. I will I'm say that. <laughs> I, I did not mind the first episode like you hated it. I, I thought it was like pretty entertaining and good. But there is definitely like a a weird sort of der- like rudderlessness to the second episode where it just feels like, okay, where are we going now? Like it just feels like completely aimless and um I don't know. Yeah, it's just it did not there's nothing worked for me in the second episode. <laughs> well, and in the third episode it feels like it we're still like breaking down relationships so that like we can let uh, Tedros let the weekend in more. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, there are only three episodes left. So like, we, let's get this moving. Uh, but each episode is like half of the episode is built around just like a very long sequence. And I have not enjoyed that structure repeating. Like in the first episode of the pilot, it opens with, um, you know, her like rehearsing that music video and doing the photo shoot, all the stuff at like that mansion. And the second episode actually, you know, like with her filming the music video and 
them losing it and it being like a shitty version of uh of what happens in babylon with the the sound like i was, I was losing my mind with that yes yeah, i didn't <laughs> um, even think about it uh, uh referencing babylon it's interesting well i, I don't think it's no, I, I not think a direct like a, reference but it's yeah. like but it's i didn't even think about babylon it's interesting it's a good good connection um also like i hated the uh when that that girl sings that song on the piano <laughs> at the end of season at the end of episode two brutal <laughs> i could not handle it it was so cringy i was like you gotta stop cut away from this immediately <laughs> like too much dude too much um but luckily i'm pretty sure that luca guadagnino is a better filmmaker than uh than sam levinson in the weekend no so <laughs> no kidding I'm, uh, would, I, would you have said so before bones and all Yes, I still would yeah. have said so, even though I have mixed feelings about much of his work. All right, good. Sounds good. Well, uh, there was another uh, preview that was dropped, a teaser trailer for the new Sofia Coppola film, Priscilla. Call it her answer to Elvis? Or no? I don't, I don't fucking know. Why does this <laughs> exist? <laughs> it's based on a memoir, Elvis and Me, by Priscilla Presley. The story that needed to be told, Jr. Every, um, like every sort of article that you know posted about this teaser made sure to mention that uh, they don't have the rights to any Elvis songs in this. Oh, really? And I and I was like, I mean, just, I guess it's like I don't care, but it seems like people care. If we're, if we're all writing I about mean, it, because it's not. I mean, it's, it should it's be really about Priscilla, right? Yeah, it's not about Elvis, right? It's Priscilla about, didn't write the Elvis songs, I don't think. It's about their relationship with each other. Mm. I don't know that that doesn't mean that he can't, like, you know, like if they're like they're in the scene in their bedroom and he like plays a song for her on acoustic guitar or something, like you know what I mean? Like he could be probably be able to do that. They just can't probably can't play the actual yeah, I don't know. recordings. Mm. Uh, I mean, how do we feel about um, you know, another Sam Levinson actor getting hey. uh, the part of, of Elvis. I don't know this guy, but I know Jacob Elordi. I will vouch for Jacob Elordi. The guy hey, is a That's movie cool. star. This guy can act. He's good. He's good looking. <laughs> it, he, he works. I'm I'm, in, I'm all in. I'm way less uh, trepidatious about him playing the role than I was when I saw Austin, Austin Butler was cast in the role. Even though I think Austin Butler did a great job, but you're I like, think he will do too. Like, I know this guy can fuck. I know he can make a baby. (laughs) (laughs) He just plays, um, I mean, I don't know what this is. Like, I never, I don't read this memoir. I I can't imagine. I mean, well, it is, you know what, honestly, what's promising about the idea that they don't have the rights to the Elvis music is that it's not sponsored by the Elvis estate, which means they can be rude about Elvis. They can say things that about Elvis that the Elvis movie wouldn't want to shy away from, which Mm. is exciting. And uh, if Elvis is an asshole, then Jacob Lordy, believe me, he's the guy to play an asshole. He's a huge <laughs> asshole. I mean, in the in in Euphoria. <laughs> oh yeah. And do do either of you know the uh, the actor playing uh, Priscilla Kaylee? Never heard Spaney? of her. Spaney? She's in Mayor of Easttown, apparently. No idea. And sure. Devs. She was in Devs. Why well, don't I know her? I don't remember I don't, her. I don't remember her from Maravius Ten at all. I don't. I didn't see Devs. The um, yeah, I definitely don't know who this is. Um, Me neither. It's you know, it's definitely 
maybe it's uh oh, maybe it'll be maybe it'll be great maybe sofia coppola will make a good movie for the first time in uh 15 years she's in the new uh alex garland movie also that's supposed to come out this year civil war mm. so who knows that probably won't come out this that's year not, but it was supposed it's to not coming out well it's supposed to how dare they um <laughs> Oh, and she's in an untitled Alien film coming out in 2024, mm. directed by Fede Alvarez. Just a little strange. I hadn't heard about that one. Anyway, um, okay, well, let's move on to what we watched. Enough about these 30-second uh, teasers from A24. Let's talk about what we watched. Who wants to go first? Uh, I can go first since I have uh, a whole lot of <laughs> whole lot of stuff <laughs> do it are you being sarcastic or do you have a lot no of stuff? I, I have i have like i have so much stuff oh nice um i watched 15 2023 releases since the last episode i counted them earlier <laughs> of course you I did think, yeah <laughs> i i i got most of the way through a 2023 release but then i had hey. to leave oh so, well um well, how, yeah. Well, let me uh, real quick. That's this. Uh, you're talking about the Spider-Man movie, right? Yes, yes. How? How? Literally, how much time do you have left? Like twenty minutes? An hour? Probably. Probably twenty, twenty minutes. Because it's, it's out of a two-hour twenty. You could log that as scene. Don't rate it, but you could log it as scene. Whoa, dude. Yeah. Well, you don't think so, Jer? I don't. I don't know. Like, I'm. I'm sure it'll be out on like Netflix or whatever. You know, before the end of the year, so I can yeah, see the, the you know sure. see the end of it. Um, when I saw Fast and Furious Nine, I told you guys <laughs> privately, but rec- you know, in the recording of this podcast, uh, that I had to walk out and pee three times, and John said I should not have rated the movie. I did. I just told Kevin not to rate it. I said yeah, log I it. You walked saw out. It, though. I right, missed the combined right, right, right. three minutes. Three, yeah, it takes you one minute to leave the theater and pee and come back. Give me a fucking break, JR. <laughs> On the proximity. The I don't remember saying that either. I don't feel like I would say something like that. I think you were giving me shit for seeing a Fast and Furious movie. Mostly. Probably. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I, don't, I, I honestly don't feel that way, especially about a Fast and Furious movie. You could probably miss half of it and still completely understand everything that's going on. To well, the that's extent not that anyone could ever understand Exactly, what's going it's on. convoluted plot structure garbage. Anyway, sorry, Kevin, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so uh yeah I, i'll i'll just lead with that so i took my kids to see the new spider-man um and and so i have to say there were parts of this movie that were really good like the animation i think is very very good and like the way they're the way they're able to incorporate a lot of things was really good that being said there is no reason for this movie to have been as long as it was. Like I should have been able to see the end of the movie before we had to leave. Like there are, you know, there are some scenes that go on way too long. Like they're trying to obviously like do emotional stuff and do character stuff. And, like it, it's just you don't need that much. Like you can you can snip this here, snip this there. Like you know I'll you know 
I'm I've never been one to like totally decry comic book movies, but there's no reason a comic book movie needs to be more than an hour 30 or like an hour 40 at the very most. Yeah, those those caveats aside, like the rest of it, I the rest of it, I enjoyed like the little, you know, um, the little cameos that they have here and there, the little inside jokes, um, you know, it was it's good, but it doesn't need to be that long. Um, and yeah, like I've I, I could have. You know, sorry, Kevin, I was talking okay. with my mic off. <laughs> <laughs> I was just say I was just gonna tell you the first movie is uh j- under just under two hours so more yeah, appropriate yeah. length right I mean yeah I mean it's still a little too long in my view like there's mm. you know a whole lot that happens um but you know it's still fine I remember like like I had seen like snippets of it for like I don't know maybe like six months before I actually like. Okay, now I'm gonna go on my own and I'm gonna watch the entire movie. Right. Um But yeah, um I would, you know I've been thinking about looking up what happens in the rest of the movie, but I understand that there's a cliffhanger. So I don't know. I'll just I'll just wait and at you know, I'll watch it with the boys again and this time um so what happened one of my sons just gorged himself on popcorn so he ended up making his throat raw and having a scratched uvula which gave him this terrible cough yikes so yeah and so if you guys you know if you buy your kids snacks at the movie theater Make sure that you get them the small popcorn and make sure that you get them a legitimate drink instead of uh, ices like I got them. <laughs> Trying to be cool, Dad, over here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, try it. Damn, dude. Uh, yeah. That is a um, fuck ton of popcorn. Or he's really bad at eating popcorn. Which I'm, could well, be true as a child. Yeah, and I mean, like, there was, you know... There was one time where he was eating a french fry and he ended up like biting the shit out of his thumb. So, <laughs> you know, he's just, you know, he's just, you know, he's just, yeah, sort of an <laughs> eager, eager eater. Yes. Peter, hey, uh, Peter Stone does a voice in this movie. Uh, Genki Lee. Genki. And uh, he is the director of Elemental, the Pixar movie that I just I saw. Oh, nice. I, mean, I don't remember a voice work also. character, but um, he's really low on the cast list, but he's, he's okay. apparently done voices in Ratatouille, Luca, the Incredibles. He's apparently a voice actor as well as oh, a okay. director. He's just like there. He's, he's around. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I was listening like the, at Pixar, they like, they retain employees, even if those employees don't have like something that they are directly assigned to at that moment. So like, he honestly probably is just around. You know, he like directed the Good Dinosaur and just been hanging out for eight years, slowly working on Elemental and. Well, doing, that's the thing, uh, right? Voices. It takes him. It takes him like years and years to make these films, and he's just hanging mm-hmm. out in the office for all that time. And they're like, "Hey, we need you to do this voice real quick." Yeah, part of your I mean, contract <laughs> for, for no extra money. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, even, you know, like random people just end up doing random stuff like, you know, 
if someone was going through George Miller's filmography, they'd be like, you know, okay, Mad Max, Mad Max, uh, you know, drama. Um, and Happy then feet. Happy Babe, feet. Babe Pig in the City. Babe Pig in the City. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like, like the producer of Clerks was one of the directors on that um, uh, animated Grinch movie that came out not too long ago. Really? So, Never yeah. Saw that. So, yeah, I, I I've seen like parts of it, but never watched the entire thing. Well, I was watching, uh, you know, not not to jump ahead, but I was. No, oh, go ahead. I watched uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, um, just a little bit before we started re- uh, recording the podcast, and um, Alan J. Pacula produced it. Oh, and it was weird. It was like because I, I wouldn't have even thought he was like active that early in the six because he's like a he strikes me as a very 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 70s filmmaker and like maybe mm. he wasn't i don't know when he directed the first thing he directed but yeah. produced it it was a, a mulligan pacula production and according huh. to the wikipedia he was like he was like a very active part in like you know casting gregory peck or you know in that okay. casting process so he was like a he was like a, a guy in charge, not just uh not just some dude who put up some money and got his name on there. I guess he directed s- some stuff in the fifties even, it looks like. Um hmm. Fear Strikes Out in nineteen fifty seven. And then in the mid sixties he was doing a couple of things here and there. But anyway. We gotta um, I gotta pause real quick. Uh Kevin, are you mm-hmm. wearing a happy feet shirt? No, this is um one of the summer right. reading shirts from last year, Oceans of Possibilities, and that's incredible. Just, yeah, Teasing. of all the of all the ocean things they could have had on the shirt, they have two penguins. But just go like figure. The animation of that penguin, like, really yeah, does remind right. me of the Happy Feet poster. Yes, um, yes. and it is really funny to uh, tease children in hot ass, you know, Baton Rouge area, South Louisiana, with uh, cold water animals like that. I think that's. Totally. It's cruel. You can only dream of this, child. You'll never feel weather like this. Um, okay. Sorry. Unpause. That's that's your pause? That was you my need pause. to ask him that? I thought you needed to go do something. No, no. Oh, well. Okay. Um, all right. Um, I'll go next. Actually, I'm only going to go next because JR watched the same thing I watched. And I don't know if he wants to talk about it, but I don't know if he wants to relive this traumatic stress situation. But... Uh, I watched uh, Dehumani Corporis Fabrica, oh, shit. Uh, The Fabric of the Human Body, uh, documentary from Lucien Casting Taylor and uh, Verena Paravel. And uh, this is the, uh, this is not the same team all the way through, though, right? Because, like, they didn't do Sweetgrass together. Right. They didn't do Sweetgrass together, but yeah, they did but... Caniba and Le- Leviathan together. Yeah. Um, yes. And this is another sort of, uh, disturbing gopro ridden uh <laughs> i don't even know it's about a hospital in france or several i guess there's a couple of hospitals in france that they film at and um it's about a bunch of different medical procedures and we see those medical procedures in graphic detail and it it just gets progressively more and more difficult to watch um <laughs> and you're also you're hearing you're hearing the dialogue within the procedures of like the doctors and uh, you know nurses and techs and things, and you also get to hear dialogue um, from uh, just hospital employees you know, who aren't doing anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of those things uh, end up being kind of unsettling. And um, 
Well, they're very, very. Everybody's what I come away with is that like everybody's super desensitized to what they're doing, and they're super casual about everything, and like they're they're not. Um, they don't come. They don't have the what you would consider like the typical compassion that a, you would expect a doctor to have. You know, in a lot of these situations, they're just kind of like talking shit a lot of the times, and uh, they're talking about their own problems. They're bitching and moaning about rent prices and things like this. And uh, yeah, it's just uh, and the way it ends, like so strange. The uh, the all the doctors go to a bar and they hang out and do karaoke and uh it's just like this insanely long shot of a mural on the bar wall <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is like i don't even i feels like it feels a little bit like they didn't know how to end it but it's also like weirdly i don't know poetic or something you know maybe yeah <laughs> that i i both liked it and was like this was totally staged just to be an ending right. um and that's and that's fine um i gave this a high rating and also i was one i was just absolutely miserable watching this movie uh and this movie's uh it's it is long but it definitely feels longer than it is yeah it's not even two hours so you know i think are you sure (laughs) yeah it's uh, 118 minutes i'm like i'm legitimately like that sounds wrong (laughs) it's like a hundred it's definitely like 140 minutes no, it's not. It's not. Um, you know, I feel the same way. I mean, I had I had to watch it in two sittings, and those sittings were widely spaced apart because um, I had to like take a break, dude. Like it was like after the C section, I was like, I can't keep watching this right now. I'm gonna need to just sit tight for a little while and regroup and come back. I mean, they had already like hammered a tube into a guy's dick. I was like, I don't need to. Yeah. You know, it's just like so much hardcore shit that you're looking at and i was just and i mean i remember <laughs> when they got to the they start showing the uh the the morgue where they're keeping the bodies and then they're, they're the whole scene where they dress that body and i was like oh my god they're gonna autopsy this guy <laughs> and i was like i don't want to see that i'm gonna have a real crisis here because i'm gonna have to stop this movie three quarters <laughs> of the way through but thank god they did not autopsy yeah. him so <laughs> yeah i was nervous i uh, <sighs> The um the C section was a moment where I did like some legit like second screen stuff where I'm watching it and then I pull out my phone yeah and like it's not that I'm not paying attention because I'm and I'm not I don't want to pay attention I just like I have to look at something else while this is in the background because I can't my I can't just put all my all my eye power on this thing right now yeah you're gonna get nauseous (laughs) that's how my brother got through watching Cannibal Holocaust. Like he strategically pulled out his phone for certain scenes. No, I will. Yeah, I'll admit to doing that. If um, I can't think of when I've done it before, but I'm sure I've had. I have. I've watched other gross things. Mm. Yeah, man. I I get though. I I do. I do think the film is like impressive in the same in a similar way to their other films. How they've been impressive, and it's. It's interesting that how much like access they get and how close in they yeah. get with these things. And, and I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the cinematography is literally like scopes inside human bodies who inside human orifices. And it's like, I mean, that's like, it's, it's gross, but at the same time, it's like, it's like, it's awesome that they were able to do it and put it together in an interesting way. So mm. how do they get that access? I don't, I don't why know. would I mean, anyone France. give them that access? <laughs> yeah. Well, Lucian casting Taylor, if you look at his um his Wikipedia page, 
it like it says that he's a um anthropologist or something or like first like so i guess he okay. filmed this like sort of a secondary thing for him um as opposed to you know a normal documentarian who would be like a yeah british anthropologist and artist who works in video film and photography so it's almost like he sort of categorizes himself doing, outside of film work it's more important than that so you know his his films are ethnography yeah exactly yeah it's like they're you know you could watch them uh for educational purposes which i think is you know sort of fair maybe especially with something like this but I mean, the Leviathan just feels like an like a like an avant-garde piece of art that you would have like playing in the background at like a Warhol exhibit or something. You know, <laughs> like it's just like <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I love it. I loved Leviathan, but it's certainly better than this, in my opinion. But um, yeah, I think I'm I'm just I think he's interesting. And I like to see what they're gonna do next. I'm psyched. I hope it's not as hard to get through in stomach. <laughs> yeah, you guys reminded me of this. Uh... Actually, I, I sent it to you guys. There's this uh, TikTok of um, it's a clip from uh, the show Peep Show where this guy comes out of a room. How was it? Look, I don't want to talk about it. OK, look, I just want a cup of tea and have a biscuit and sit down someplace quiet. <laughs> yeah, that, that is what it, it was very like. Yeah, it was difficult. Mm. More so than I'm trying to think of another film that I've had trouble with like that. I mean, Cannibal wasn't pleasant. Cannibal wasn't pleasant, but I don't remember it being like that graphic. It was like a lot of. I mean, I guess there is like there's like the video of him doing, but they don't. Isn't some of that shit blurred in that movie? Um, they blur out like the body parts and stuff. Well, I thought the blurring. Yeah, they didn't they kind of make the blurring like a visual motif to. Well, I mean, the uh, the out of, the, there's like an incredibly shallow focus that the whole film is shot in, but like yeah. I mean, like whenever they're showing, don't they they show the videotape of him. Do, doing what he did, the cannibal yeah, shit. which I wish they didn't. But yeah, right. I, you're probably right. But yeah, I mean that's tough too. But uh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's always real shit that's hard. You know, it's never like, like, uh, like in Cannibal Holocaust, for instance. You just, uh, like just the you know the mutilation of animals is like I could see that yeah. being tough for people. I didn't. It didn't really bother me all that much, but I could see it like being really hard for some people. But when it's you know it's like fake shit like a you know person being killed on screen and you know it's fake it doesn't bother me at all it's never hard to get through unless it's i don't know like they razor blades to eyeballs or something i don't know (laughs) i don't know (laughs) anyway (laughs) um Uh, yeah so all right well jr you want to go you or or do you want to count that as your turn i don't know i don't i hate to rob you of your turn well uh, yeah i'll I'll go because i have okay go Um, and I'll I'll be I'll be quick about it because uh, I watched Fast X slash uh, Fast Ten. Was it um, a lot of fun? No, it wasn't. <laughs> and look, like I know that I am, you know, some kind of Fast and Furious franchise apologist here, but mm-hmm. I I also recognize that you know several of these movies are are a chore, uh, and. A handful of them are are I think very enjoyable. Um, this one is neither of those things. I think this one sits all by itself as um, as just being like the biggest piece of shit. Um, <laughs> and it's it's weird. 
it it is bad in ways that I don't think this franchise has ever been bad before. Uh, it's it's not just like shitty performances and ridiculous plotting and you know stunts that are lame or you know things like that. It's um it's like there is no plot to this movie outside of references to previous movies. And that doesn't usually happen. Usually like we get a new bad guy who becomes a new member of the family. Eventually this is all, this is all about like going back in the past. And, um, it's, it's, it's just like a, it's a franchise eating itself. Um, and it doesn't help that there are, it lacks stunts that look really cool. Um, it, it just, it's got nothing going for it whatsoever. And so like when everything else is, is this bad, it just feels even worse that like, okay, Helen Mirren, who is fucking, um, he plays, I can't even find him on the cast. Jason Statham's mom. Uh, it's for some reason she's now been in four of these movies and she shows up for like this one scene at the beginning, just for a second to like, give uh, Vin Diesel's character a little bit of just like maternal wisdom. And it's just the dumb, like we are contractually obligated now to get every member of this family in here. Um, and it just, it, uh, it makes less sense than normal. And again, like, I don't care. Like fast five is the best one. And this like has um, what's his face. I can't remember anyone's fucking name now. Um, Jason Momoa? Momoa. Yeah, Jason Momoa is like the son of whatever dude that they like stopped and then killed in Fast Five. And so like they redo like the bank heist sequence from Fast Five, but Jason Momoa is like added into it, like um, edited back into it. It's like, it's bad. Um, But then at least Momoa he looks like he's having fun. No one else does. Um, Brie Larson's in this. She's, uh, she's like Kurt Russell's daughter. Kurt Russell all, is everybody place. related. Yes. Family? Cause it's family. Yeah. But I thought the family thing was more like metaphorical. Like we're family in a friend group kind of way. At like, some point that morphed into like, cause I think Kurt Russell didn't want to come back. So now it's like, well, his daughter is part of the agency now. Um, And then there's this other thing, like they've been working with this agency called the agency for like five movies now, but now we've got fucking Jack Reacher. Um, not, is it Jack Reacher? Yeah. Jack Reacher. The guy who plays Jack Reacher in the Amazon show, show? the the giant (laughs) guy he's, he's in here and he's like, for no reason is like, we got to take down Dom and his family. And it's like, why they've solved all of our problems for a decade. Like there's no reason that we should take down this family. Um, but we just, we got to do it because we got to have some other like conflicts. It's, it's bad. I've got it as the, uh, the worst movie I've seen this year. And, um, you know, as, as John has said, um, you know, this year's got, this year's got a lot of turds. Yeah. So to be at the, be at the top of the turd pile, man, that's a Mm. bottom of the turd pile. I guess you could say that's, It's a bad place to be, man. Mm. Interesting. So you would say this is also the worst of the franchise. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Hmm. But you know, this is like also the only one that, um, it doesn't end with a, a barbecue, um, with the family. It, uh, it's, it's a cliffhanger because Vin <laughs> Diesel 
Vin Diesel has said this is not the end. We and we knew this was not the end, but he's like, if it does well enough, we're gonna turn this into three movies. And it's like, oh my god. Oh, well, it, and <laughs> luckily, it's not doing well enough. Um, oh, so they'll they'll get their oh. last one, and that'll be it probably. Mm. Although again, they're saying, and this isn't just Vin. This is just like everyone involves like. You know, the franchise really gets to expand after we do the last one to like branch off into other things. It's like, please, please don't. Did they yeah. already try that and it didn't really work super well? I mean, did that yeah, hop and shop and shop? Well? Yes. I mean, it didn't do as well as the other Fast and the Furious movies at the time, but yes, right. it did well. It's mm-hmm. a bummer. I think it made like $800 million. And uh, Rock is back, right? Yes, yeah, spoiler, spoiler alert. Uh, yeah, well, I mean because, it's all over their articles about it. I mean, yeah, because yeah, the yeah. the Rock is uh, he is instrumental in taking. You know, he's he shows up in Fast Five and he's a big part of taking down that guy. So at the end, we realize that uh, Momoa, or we are shown that Momoa, has been orchestrating the downfall of Dom's family and also the Rock. Whatever the Rock's doing right now, hmm. which mm-hmm. it's just being huge and super juiced up yep. uh, in, in some sort of paramilitary thing. Ugh. It is All storming right. like fucking crazy here. Oh, it's wild, dude. It's not, it's not raining here at all. <laughs> Although yesterday, uh, I don't know if it affected you, John, but uh, there was uh, some hail. Was that yesterday? What, yesterday and what was that Saturday? Yeah, that was Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't. Well, no, I didn't. I didn't get any anything. Oh well. I mean, maybe it rained. I don't know. I I didn't go outside. Oh okay. <laughs> well, I found like I go to I literally go to work. I'm off at eleven. Then they make us sit for an hour and do nothing, and then we're allowed to leave at eleven forty-five, and then I pick up my kid from my sister and i go home Uh, that's my that's my days while i'm in summer school so there's been no no going outside for any reason except to get in my car (laughs) i did take my kid to the park the other day i was off Uh, i was off for uh, juneteenth on monday so i took my kid Mm. to the water thing at the park the water spraying thing that they do oh yeah that's a splash pad. Yeah, splash pad. Yeah, we got yeah, one of those. Oh, sorry. Very <laughs> good. <laughs> so, uh, okay. So, after after watching the other two uh, In Search of Darkness documentaries, I decided, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch some horror movies that I you know haven't seen in a long time. Nice. So. I'll just go through them really quick. Uh, Halloween, like, I didn't expect it to be great, but, like, it's, I I don't get it. I don't. The original Halloween? The original John Carpenter 1978 Halloween. What's to get, bro? Yeah, like, especially, like, when there's, like, no kills. I mean, like, there's the, there's the first kill. Well, there's the first kill within like I don't know the first five minutes or whatever, but then another yeah. another kill doesn't happen until like I don't know maybe an hour later of an hour and a half movie. Kids are uh, kids are rubbing off on you, man. You get this uh, 
got this like Gen Z attention span going on. <laughs> We're building atmosphere, dude. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's the, the. I think that there, there is something to that, though, right, Kevin? Like, there's like a suspense that's trying to build during those. Yes. That, that hour. That's true. Where you're seeing glances of him at a distance, things like that. Yeah, and he's like, you know, following her in the car, and right. you know, like, then like following her again and following her again. Um, <laughs> but it's like, but yeah, it's like, her out, man. yeah, I know. But it's like the tension is like, okay, like at you know, let's like you know ratcheted up like a little you know like a little here you know ratcheted up and then a little there as opposed to like so much of the actual like you know stuff happens within like the last half hour and you know (laughs) so yeah so that it's a good last half hour though Yes, the, the, the last half hour is solid, but with the house and then in the closet and all that shit, that's good stuff. Yeah, yeah. I still, I still say that uh, Black Christmas is a better slasher movie, but um, I don't necessarily disagree with that. I like, I like Black Christmas. Yeah. Um, I've so only then, seen it once, though. Sorry. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I've I've seen it twice, and like it's hard because I've seen Halloween, like you know. 12 times or whatever and i don't oh, i don't, yeah. I don't love halloween either but it's right yeah. you know it's sort of a, it's one of the it's like you know it's like um citizen kane like you're forced to appreciate it because it's an innovator and black christmas is the same way it's just not as appreciated yeah for sure so then i watched the original scream west craven and so there <laughs> That opening sequence with Drew Barrymore and, you know, her boyfriend getting killed, like, that yeah. is fucking, like, five out of five. Yeah, that's good. Then the rest of it happens, and it's, like, you know, <laughs> like, it's not horrible, um, but, like, I, I got a little, you know, I understand it's not made for me. It's made for horror fans, and it's made for people who are very much in that world. Um, Jamie Kennedy is, like, you know, very entertaining, same yeah. with Matthew Lillard. Yes. Um, I but agree. like the, but like, yeah. For me, it like the, you know, like you know, oh, just like the blah 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 from blah blah blah. All right, yeah, fucking, we get it. You, you know, you've watched a lot of horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> that gets way worse in the second film, by oh, the way. God. Like, and honestly, it's the worst ever in like the more recent this the remakes or the whatever they are the soft reboots of Scream and Scream, uh, five or six or whatever the fuck it's called. Um, well, <laughs> yeah, those are like, there's like movie references constantly in those. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of get it to a certain extent. Cause like now, you know, there's like this years and years and years of this stuff that, you know, they can either shy away from it or they can run at it, you know? Yeah. But, um, but yeah. Well, One it's not thing... that it's not, it's not exactly that though. They're not, it's not self-referential. They're not referencing oh, the other oh. scream film. I mean, in the world of scream, there are the stab films. So they're, they're called oh, stab, right, right, but, right, that, right. but that's not even what they're talking about. I'm just saying like, there are like these, uh, you know, um, young model looking actors, uh, who are all just gorgeous people who you're supposed to, exp- you, you believe you're supposed to ex- believe that they're film nerds. And that they're yes. all they're all into into all kinds of cinema, and they're all on Letterbox, and they're which is you know that that makes more sense actually. But that they, they uh, you know that they all are super into movies, and it's just like there's you know nobody's into movies. No Gen Z kids are into movies. 
Like, <laughs> you talk, my students, they're, they're rare. My foot, my they're students rare. hate fucking movies, dude. I like, <laughs> like, Hey guys, you're going to go see that new movie. They're like, no, fuck. No, we don't know what that is. We don't care. <laughs> like, oh, wow. You could not pay them to go see a movie. My, uh, my eighth graders go see superhero movies and every year I have like one random kid who just, I don't know whose parents, I guess, make them watch movies mm. uh, with them. So like Good I have this, a girl this year who has seen a lot of like Hitchcock movies recently because mm. her parents just turned them on and asked her to watch them with her. See, I get nothing like her that. With dude. Them. I've never had a student who was into movies, not in a serious way. Hmm. Well, I don't even know. I would like to. I don't know if this most recent one was like serious. She like she would talk about <laughs> enjoying them, but you know she's not choosing to put them on. She's agreeing to watch them. Just the fact that she's seen them. them is insane, though. Like I, I have, I have. I mean, you, you, you wouldn't, dude. It's cr- like my my students are seniors, and they don't even know that movies are coming. Like they don't know about Marvel movies that are coming out. They well, you know, they know nothing. They don't Marvel's care about not advertising on TikTok enough, obviously. <laughs> exactly. uh, yeah, yeah. It's not advertising on Snapchat enough. That's what they're all on Snapchat. Oh, oh well. Yeah. Not that they're not on TikTok. They are, but. Right. <laughs> anyway, sorry, Kevin. <laughs> no worries. You digress. One last thing that one last thing that I'll say about Scream. Like, so do y'all remember the scene where the Fonz is threatening the two dudes who are running around yes. in the ghost masks? Yes. The fucking scissors that he pulls out. Yeah, they're massive. Those are like fucking swords. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like it's like scarier than like the stiletto that they use a lot of running around with. The sound is des- the sound design in that scene though when he's like sna- when he's like cutting the mask yeah. like he's like, shush, shush, shush. It's like yeah, there's a lot of you know like heavy heavy uh, scissor noise in that which is kind of insane and he's also like subtly threatening them you know like he's putting yeah, yeah. scissors up to their chest and stuff <laughs> right yeah that's only that's I remember uh, that's the issue I had um, uh, on a rewatch recently not recently mm. but the last time I watched it was that they spoiler for the you know 27 year old movie that they kill the principal like it makes no sense like oh, why, right. did, they kill, yeah, why yeah. did they kill the principal uh, outside of just like a, you know, a principal yeah. yeah they're kids and they hate the principal but i mean mm. the rest of their kills all are like connected to the sydney prescott's mother being a yeah. thing you know and yeah it, <laughs> it has nothing to do with that it's just strange i don't know but anyway yep so after that, I went and rewatched all of the first three Evil Dead movies, and I was surprised to learn that the first one is actually my favorite. Oh, you're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> what? The first one is the worst one. I don't know, dude. Watch it again. I think that's complicated. I think it's complicated. Well, would you 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 think uh, the second one is the best? Um. I think you can't. It's hard to compare Army of Darkness with either of the first two, but I think the second one is better than the first one. I mean, I don't know. I don't I, love I, the. I don't love the second one though. I used to, but I've kind oh, of okay, yeah. grown out of it. But I mean, they're they're still good. I I like both of them. I like the first one. I just don't. It's not as good right. to me, in my opinion. It's like the, it feels like a test run for what the second one is, and the second one is like much better. I yeah, just, I, mean, I don't know. Yeah, I think I think the first one's like a pretty effective, if extremely low budget horror movie. Yeah, and, and the uh, second one. It, well, I, I agree. You say it. I mean, 
Well, yeah, I mean, like, that's the thing, like, I talked to my brother about it, and it's like, each one of these movies has something completely different to bring to the table. Like, Evil Dead is, like, straight-up horror, and in the second one, you get a lot more of the slapsticky comic elements, which, you know, Evil Dead is kind of known for, and that's, you know, the one, groovy. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, like, and then when you get into Army of Darkness, it's just like, you know, the horror is kind of on the side and it's more of a slapstick, you know, um, time travel movie. I think the th- I think Army of Darkness has. Honestly, it probably has just as many horror elements. They're just not presented as being scary. True. Like, yeah, you're not yeah. supposed to be scared by any of it. It's like goofy. Yeah. But yeah, there's it's, still it's like more... witches and goblins and like the skeletons in the graveyard and stuff. But it's all presented in this very like lighthearted Silly yeah, way. yeah, it's it's more like adventure. Yeah, kind exactly. Of, kind of fantasy. Stuff. It's like a dark fantasy film. Yeah, yeah. Will um, will you watch Ash vs the Evil Dead next? All three seasons. Ooh. Ooh. Well, I've seen the first two, I believe. I saw the first oh, yeah. season. I liked it a lot. I just I saw. Yeah, I I, enjo- I enjoyed I enjoyed what I saw. Um, well, I, yeah, I watched. I quite certain I got two seasons of that. I, I watched two seasons of it, but I. I cannot remember finishing it, so I'm pretty sure I did not finish it. Yeah, same here. But, um, but yeah, uh, like, think about Evil Dead. I loved the stop motion at the mm-hmm. end where they have, like, the dissolving, you know, corpses and that kind of stuff. And then, like, and I think the ending is solid where, you know, like, he's, fi- you know, Dawn has broken. He's finally getting out. And then, you know, the thing's running through the woods, run through the cabin, and ah, and that's the end. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, all of them are really good. Um, so, like, you know, I gave, like, Evil Dead, I rated, like, 4.25, but the other ones are, like, four stars. So Okay, that's fair. You know, and, I'm, uh, not, I'm not as offended now. <laughs> Glad to hear it. And finally, I rewatched Scanners, Cronenberg's, what kind of, you know, put him on the map. And... You know, I kind of think, you know, like what Scanners, like Scanners is to Evil Dead, what uh, Videodrome is to Evil Dead 2. Like, I think, you know, yeah, a lot of a lot I of the agree. same, a lot of the same ideas, you know, are explored in Scanners and Videodrome. And like the, the biggest thing about uh, Scanners, though, was like the main, the main, the lead Stephen Lack. Yeah, he's awful. It's fucking horrible. He's monotone through the entire movie. At no point does he show any emotion except for, you know, like, you know, a little bit here and there when they've got, you know, like his veins are busting out of his head because he's trying to kill Michael Ironsides. But like, you know, and especially like seeing Ironsides like as, you know, kind of stock villain as that character kind of is at least he's like putting in a real performance. Whereas Stephen Lack is just, you know, Oh, Oh, it's a conspiracy with the computers and the medication. It's like, bruh. So yeah, like, but then, you know, you get to Videodrome and you have, you know, fucking charismatic as fuck James Woods. And you have like the, you have like the same sort of, you know, um societal criticism with uh you know watching 
TV and being desensitized to violence, like Videodrome is just such the better movie. But like, yeah. see where like, yeah, Scanners is basically like, you know, the, you know, the precursor. The dry run. Yeah, sure. That's fair. I, I Michael Ironside was in um, Blackberry also. Oh, yeah. Yeah. it's I didn't recognize him until like the fifth scene he was in because he's. He's put on quite a bit of weight. Um, oh well. <laughs> so, but uh, and he's you know way old and everything. But yeah, it's Michael Ironside. Yeah. Anyway. Um, Jr., you're done, right, Kevin, with your horror? Yeah. Run? yeah. Okay. Uh, Jr. said that uh, he watched uh, Fast X, and that was the worst film of the year so far. Jr. Yeah, Challenger. <laughs> yeah, I watched my worst film of the year so far, which is uh, Robert Rodriguez's Hypnotic, um, starring Ben Affleck. I want to check this out. And uh, I, Alice I want to check this the fuck out. I'm excited. <laughs> um, it's just like, honestly, it, like it, it sort of defies criticism because it's like, so <laughs> it's, it's got this incredible, uh, almost impressive ability to mimic the feel of a straight to VHS thriller from like 1993. Like that's how it feels. That, that's the level of craftsmanship we're working with but and on every level but that, that like but that can be like a nostalgia thing like they're trying no. to make you feel like you just left the blockbuster in 1997 sure <laughs> that's not what they were going for i guarantee it they're going for big budget blockbuster here uh that has you know all the twists and turns uh poor man's inception kind of thing but uh it's just boy it is embarrassingly bad and uh, Rodriguez, I thought this is going to be like a. When I first heard about this, I remember thinking like, "Oh, this is going to be like a his true comeback." Because I remember he did uh, uh the the whatever the Alita Battle Angel, you know. And I remember thinking like mm. that would be like his stepping stone back into like Hollywood, and he'd start doing like sort of bigger movies, uh, maybe working with studios. And uh, and I thought maybe this will be since that movie tanked, and this movie obviously tanked even harder. And uh, it's no, it's no no wonder why when you watch it and like it's Ben Affleck is like I don't even know what, how he got involved in this like it seems like way beneath him as as the level of movie star that he is maybe I'm like confused about how big of a movie star he actually is at this point but like the some of the I mean this the writing is atrocious like coming out of his mouth it makes like none of it makes any sense also there's all kinds of like weird um, red herrings and twists that are set up that are revealed later uh that don't make any sense i don't want to give things away for it but i mean it's just embarrassing it feels like a like a you know like a high school kid would come up with this and like write it on a on his in his binder at you know (laughs) recess over a couple of days and then think to himself i'm gonna write a screenplay one day you know and then he does and then it's this and it's garbage but (laughs) i don't know it's horrible. It's horrible. I can't say enough bad about it. Mm. Well, you actually got me thinking. Like, I've seen a bunch of Rodriguez's movies, mm-hmm. and I could be wrong. And let me know if I am. I will. I I don't know if Rodriguez is a great director. Oh, I don't think he's a great director. Let's 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 relax with that. Well, I uh, mean, you know, but like, I think but I think that there's a there's a connection. His connection to Tarantino might be like swaying mm-hmm. you a little bit. It's just that the idea, like, 
he and Tarantino sort of came out in this, like, uh, at the same time out of this sort of nineties indie boom. And they were both doing sort of, uh, similar things, but Rodriguez was doing it, you know, with, a the, the Mexican flair, the, uh, the Latino flair to it, you know, uh, El Mariachi and Desperado. And then he mm-hmm. did that. Uh, they worked together famously, of course, from dusk till dawn, which is like, you watch From Dust Till Dawn and you think, okay, Tarantino would not make a movie like From Dust Till Dawn because it's just like, it's goofy. Like, there's like goofy shit in it and it's like, it's about vampires. You know, it just doesn't feel like something he would do. But he did write it and it has that, right? And I remember watching the um, the DVD of it uh, a long time. It might have been in high school when I watched it, but I watched the DVD commentary uh, that Tarantino records for it. And he actually talks about how Rodriguez shoots a lot of the scenes the way he would shoot them. And he's mm. like, and he's pointing at me saying, see this scene, Robert would never shoot this scene this way if I wasn't involved with this movie. He's like, he's aping my style specifically. And it's probably because I wrote the script or whatever, you know, and that he's trying to uh, achieve something that I wrote on the page, you know. And he specifically talks about the scene. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember Dustin Dawn, but when uh, George Clooney goes out to get food, and the uh, Quentin Tarantino rapes and murders the hostage that they have, and then he comes when he comes back, the door is closed, and then it's just like this long shot uh, when Clooney opens the door and sees what's going on, and then it's just this long shot on Clooney's face, and he's uh, and it's like panning in really slowly, and he's trying to uh, Tarantino's trying to explain to him why he had to kill her and all this stuff, and he's just like, this is not the way Robert would shoot this at all. So, I don't know, but it's just like yeah, I don't think he's a great director. I just think he he certainly like has a. If you watch Desperado, it's like the guy can shoot an action scene like nobody's business mm. in that movie. I don't know how he lost it so much. Like Hypnotic has action scenes that are gunfight scenes, and they're like just so generic and poorly done and bad, and it's sort of insane how bad they are by comparison. Mm-hmm. Wow. Even like Alita Battle Angel, like the, the action in that isn't very good, you know? And it's like you would think, if anything, the guy's a, an action filmmaker. Mm. But yeah, I wouldn't say, I mean, you know, I think like Sin City is, you know, sort of impressive what he was trying to do there. I don't know if it always works, but I like the idea of it, the uh, shooting panel for panel sort of thing. I remember loving yeah. the fact that you when I was younger. Oh, uh, yeah. He directed a bunch of Book of Boba Fett episodes. I haven't, I haven't seen any of that show. Yeah, and some uh, Mandalorian as well. There you mm. go. I didn't That's see how he, it, yeah. But, yeah. He directed the episode of Mandalorian in season two that had Boba Fett. And I think that's oh, okay. how he got onto the Boba Fett thing. That makes sense. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah I, didn't, uh, I didn't see any of those. I feel like I did see Machete Kills, though. I don't have it marked as watched. Did I yeah. watch this? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, Hypnotic yeah. is brutally bad. Just avoid it at all costs, unless you're JR and you have to watch it. Um, <laughs> otherwise, you know, stay away. Mm. I'm curious. I don't care. I hear you, man. You know, give it a shot. Maybe you'll like it. Maybe you'll be like, I, I thought it was fun. <laughs> you know? It's my refrain. Yeah. Anyway, JR. All right, well, which fun movie can I talk about next? <laughs> oh, I know, I'll do uh, Renfield. Um, oh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Mm. Yeah, I watched that last night. Um, 
I couldn't really figure out what I wanted last night, and Renfield uh, was just is available. Mm-hmm. It's just it's on Peacock right now. Um, so uh, I turned that on, and uh, Renfield is set in New Orleans, and um, I was like, I can play spot spot the location in New Orleans, and that was fun. You know, they go to Cafe Du Monde, but they're not at Cafe Du Monde. They're uh, sitting at the uh, at like the Cannon Monument. Across the street from uh, Jackson Square. Right. Cafe Du Monde's <laughs> like 500 feet from there. Don't try to fool me, Renfield. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, uh, no, but this movie was really bad and stupid, so I, I didn't have anything to do besides play Spot the Location. Um, I went into this movie with no expectations, and, and you know, John had already said that it was a piece of shit. Um, I did kind of th- feel like this was an idea that didn't have to be bad. Like, I feel like this could have been with just with a different approach. Maybe it could have been good. And I don't know if it's like the comedy um, is the part that doesn't work, but I, I guess it's just that it, this movie doesn't know what it is. Um, it tries too hard to be a comedy. It tries to too hard to be like this gross out um, bloody, you know, action slash horror movie. Um, with just the like the worst CGI blood that I can remember, and it takes a lot for me to like be really offended by that because uh, I don't usually care about the CGI blood. This was this was bad, way bad. Um, and yeah, it just it never it never got things right. And then there's like this sort of half romance with Aquafina, and like the shit that's going on with her is like just convoluted for no reason it's just it's too much her dad was murdered by the drug dealers or whatever (laughs) so it's so bad dude oh my god it's bad it's really bad and it just like it turns out like she's the only person in the nopd who isn't corrupt which you know by the way like they could have made this like a, a commentary on on local corrupt politics which new Orleans is famous for but they didn't do that um you know why would they do that? Notorious for not famous. Why would the they, um, why would they yeah. make a point with their film? <laughs> yeah, it, it's a bummer that they like, this was their like one more like sort of upper mid budget attempt at reviving this uh, you know this monsters sort of universe thing that they they keep half attempting to do. Is that what it is? I mean, are they, was there, yeah, I mean, they're, they're trying to, thing was part of this. I don't know if they're, I mean, they're trying to make, like, they wanted this to be a franchise starter. They, they wanted Renfield to have a sequel. Sure. But it wouldn't be like a, Oh, I guess maybe it could be like Renfield versus Frankenstein or something. Sure. It's not necessarily that they're trying to do like the MCU thing again. They, but they are trying to make these classic monsters, relevant and make money off of them mm-hmm. and they are mm-hmm. failing at it so hard except uh with the invisible man which uh was also like a, a blumhouse movie and was very low budget and made right a lot of money i mean do you think that i mean that's sort of a the invisible man is like has almost no connection to yeah. the invisible man you know what i mean i, I agree I mean, well yeah, yeah, yeah. he's yeah, he's. It's hard to say like that. That's even his love you know. one, but yeah. No, I mean, yeah, yeah it's, he's invisible and he's like scary, or you know, there's like in there, but there's no like, it's tr- attempting to be grounded in reality, which obviously Renfield is not. Obviously, yeah. the mummy was not, you know, 
it's, just, it's yeah. approach is you know it's approach and it being like you know pretty good effective horror mm-hmm. is uh is probably why people people liked it people like yeah, totally people like to go see mid-budget and cheap horror movies um, of course yeah how do you do mid-budget and cheap Dracula, though? I mean, well, except for Renfield. <clears throat> yeah, you know? I don't know. It's like yeah. it needs to be grandiose, I guess, is the thought process. You know, I guess then then just like maybe just pick a lane, have a coherent vision uh, I would, what you want I, this movie to be. I still think, you know, I like I said, like I said a couple episodes ago when I watched Frankenstein, I, th- I still think that there's like a a good movie that could be made of the the actual novel, you know, like doing it right and i want to and there was some filmmaker who was working on it was it it wasn't it was del toro was it del toro i think so i think he might still be doing that yeah didn't he say he wants to like move everything to animation going forward i mean i'm i think that that's an interesting idea like yeah with animation like that could be cool i don't know that doesn't sound like a bad idea i i I love the idea of that i mean I, i love his i think the pinocchio looked great so yeah Totally psyched. Too. Yeah, Guillermo del Toro's Frankenstein, Oscar Isaac, Andrew Garfield, Mia Goth on Netflix. Who knows when? Anyway, so that should be good. We'll see. Um, yeah. Kevin? Okay. So uh, I forgot earlier that I rewatched Psycho. And so for the longest time, I had been wondering why I didn't feel like psycho was as great as some of other you know some of hitchcock's other you know masterpieces and then so i finally figured it out so psycho is basically an extended twilight zone movie like there are good parts twilight zone episode you mean yeah i'm sorry um yeah so yeah, I think pro- Psycho's problem is it just goes on way too long. Like, you know, so you have like, you know, it's the famous thing of, um, you know, the woman gets murdered. You know, the lead character gets murdered within like the th- first like 30 minutes of the movie. And but then like we have like another like, you know, like hour and 10 minutes to spend with people trying to find out what happened to her. And, you know, aside from the private eye played by Martin Balsam, none of the other characters are really that interesting. I mean, maybe better actors could have made them more interesting. I don't know. But yeah, it just, you know, goes on for, it goes are, on for too long. Are you you're including uh, you're including Norman Bates in that as well? Well, yeah. I mean, Anthony Perkins does a great job as Norman Bates. I will give it that. But yeah, I mean, like yeah, there's another like I don't know twenty minutes of him cleaning the um, cleaning the hotel room, putting her car into the swamp, and you know. Sure, it's telling us that he's had to do this before and it's, you know, now it's, you know, it's building up the mystery of like who, you know, why did his mother do this and why is he protecting his mother, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, like it's just, I don't know, it's 
doesn't do anything for me. Those, you know, last, you know, hour or so. Will you watch the Gus Van Sant remake now? Uh, I don't know. Oh, I've... Kevin, let me tempt you. It's four minutes shorter. Oh. <laughs> and it's shot by Christopher Doyle. Ooh, damn. And the score is uh, uh, Bernard Herrmann's score, but it's done by Danny Elfman, a new arrangement by Danny Elfman. So Ooh, oh, okay. A little bit of that Oingo Boingo sauce. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> score. I mean... I mean, Danny Elfman is, you know, like, this, I think he's one of one of the better. Comp- this is still those. 90s Danny Elfman, too. He hasn't oh, right. made the transition yeah, yeah. to generic uh, gun for hire yet, you know, so. Right, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I might give it I might give it a try. I've um, never seen the original. I've only seen the remake. And uh, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, uh, you know, it's, it's all right. The remake's OK. I don't know. I think, like I said, it's yeah. hard to you know. I can't compare it all, but uh, William H Macy plays the private detective in it, so. Oh, okay. It's yeah. uh, kind of good, you know. Who is Norman Bates? Uh, Vince Vaughn. Oh, oh yeah. well, fuck me. I remember oh, him being pretty okay crazy. in it too. I remember yeah. he uh, they 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 have a scene. I don't know how it happens in the original film, but in this version, he he looks to a peephole at uh, Anne Hache and jerks off. Okay, he doesn't jerk off in the Hitchcock one, but other than that, you know, he looks through a people. I guess it's yeah. strongly implied that he's jerking off. You don't see okay. him like pull, you know, putting his hand on his dick, but you hear zippers and you see him. <laughs> you know, you know what I mean. Okay. So uh, yeah. that's not in the Hitchcock one, right? <laughs> Kevin, are you gonna watch uh, two, three, and four? Oh, that's a good um, question. Too. I sincerely doubt it. I've heard good things about, uh, especially I think two. This yeah. must be okay. I remember liking two. I'm maybe... looking now that apparently I didn't log it. I have definitely seen two. Oh, okay. That's fucked. That's fucked up. Phew. Now I gotta watch it again, though. You messed up, bud. Yeah. Three's bad. Three's bad. Yeah, I've heard good things about right, two. Yeah. Twenty-two years later. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Vera Miles yeah. is back. As Lila Crane. Mm. And Robert Loja. Oh, wow. Dennis Franz. Dude, this is a... You've got to watch it now. Tom Holland. Not Spider-Man. The the director of... um, Oh, yeah, yeah. uh, Fright Night. Fright Night, yeah. He's in this as as an actor. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, after all the horror, I needed a... Uh, palate cleanser. So I watched Fern Gully, The Last Rainforest. Okay. And <laughs> I gotta tell you, the, the you know, the runtime, it's only like, you know, 76 minutes. Sure. But it still manages to be boring. Mm. Yeah. So loved like, it when I was a kid, dude. Yeah, me too. And like, you know, I mean, Robin Williams is great, you know, like he like he always is, but like, and Tim Curry is great. But like it just goes on too long, and like there's not a solid story. It's like they just needed to, like the animation is really great. So it's like they just needed to like you know get it out there. Oh right, yes. might have been a rush job. It may be, yeah. Because I mean, because I mean, this also came out, you know, like this came out in like smack in the middle of uh, Disney's, you know golden glory days that they've been trying to recapture for the last, you know, 10 years. It was, 
Was it like a couple months before Aladdin? Yeah, it was like, yeah, it came out like right before Aladdin. (sighs) Kevin, 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 you're just forcing me to, everybody's forcing me to rearrange my, my, my talking, my ones I want to talk about next, because now I want to connect to what you're saying and I can, (laughs) but I have to move things around. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) It was six months before Aladdin. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. (laughs) All right. Are you, is that it? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, so you were talking about Disney mm-hmm. and uh, the Golden Age, and uh, they've been remaking those Golden Age films for a while, uh, live action. Right. And they're doing so many uh, remakes that I guess now they're dipping their wicks into the uh, into the older stuff too. They remade Peter Pan uh, to a oh, movie yeah, called yeah. Peter Pan and Wendy, uh, directed by David Lowry. Which my kid asked me to watch, to, to my shock. She said, I want to watch Peter Pan. I said, okay. And then I sort of like, you know, guided her to, let's watch the live action one, you know. Because it's a 2023. Wow. I got to gotta stay ahead of JR. So uh, you did, <laughs> your, your child did not request it. She requested you, Peter Pan. You manipulated. And she enjoyed too. it. Done. <laughs> I've never even seen the cartoon, so I don't even know. She's <laughs> like, fucking hell, dude. I didn't. Also, also, I did not. You tell me if you did. I did not realize this was a remake until about twenty minutes into it, and then I just started assuming, like, oh, this must be like a, one of the remakes that they're doing the live action remakes because it's like it's doing like sort of like the the way the alligator or the crocodile is portrayed, like looks very cartoony. And I was uh-huh. like, not, this has to be like directly from what? the cartoon. What else would it have been? I'm confused by. Well, Disney owns Peter Pan. I just thought it was a new Peter Pan. I mean, it's called Peter Pan and Wendy. It's not called Peter Pan. So it's like. Well, they don't, and they don't own Peter Pan. Peter Pan is. They like, don't. Uh, they just made a Peter Pan movie for God's well, sake. No, but that's it's like one of those like that's why there was a Peter Pan from the Beast of the Southern Wild guy um, like last year, just called Wendy. That was not last year, but sure. Was it not? No, it was like four years ago, dude. What is time? <laughs> I, mean, I don't believe you. I might be wrong. It's not four years ago, but it, I don't think it was last year. I think it was like 2019 or something, which would be four years. 2020. Oh, okay. 20. Ben All right. I guess that is three years ago. It is in my... Um, the reimagining yeah. of Peter Pan. Well, but like, then there's like the, the Hugh Jackman... Um, yeah, Pan. Where he's hook. Yeah, there's there have been like so many Peter Pans, and like there was a Peter Pan. Remake. What is it in the public domain then, or something? I, I guess. Mean, okay, but it was there was a Peter Pan like 25 years ago. Was that Disney? The one the like hook? the late 90s, 2000s one? No. Oh, I don't know about that one. Uh, me neither. They're all or... apparently they're all failures, which is why this one released directly to uh, Disney Plus. They were gonna. <laughs> why the fuck the did they make it? They were going to put it in theaters, but then they then they started talking. I guess it's in the uh, trivia. It says that they uh, they were talking about Pan and the the Joe Wright film and the other Peter Pan movie that they made in like two thousand three that uh, both tanked at the box office. Like nobody cares about Peter Pan, and apparently like this one also is totally like nobody's talking about it. So yeah, oh the one in the one in two thousand three is from uh, Universal and Columbia, which go. don't does apparently Disney I've own seen. Columbia. Disney owned Columbia. Do they own Columbia? TriStar? Um, I'd be wrong. Disney own Columbia Pictures. Uh, Another part of Sony. I was wrong. Mm. That's my mistake. Anyway. I have a rating for this movie and I cannot 
imagine. I just have no idea when I would have watched this movie. Oh, the Peter Pan movie? Yeah, the, the 2003 oh, Peter Pan, sorry. Who directed okay. that? PJ Hogan. Oh, yeah. Oh, fuck that. Uh, I don't even... Who did uh, Confessions of a Shopaholic. Familiar. Did he do like a uh, flipper movie My Best movie Friend's or Wedding. <laughs> no. Did he do like a dolphin movie, like Dolphin Tale or something? I see no dolphins. Okay, never mind. <laughs> anyway. Dark, dark Shadows. Oh, the TV oh, show? That's a, that's a pilot, yeah. Okay. Um. So, anyways... Uh, I watch. Yeah, you know, I wanted to see this also because it's David Lowry, and I like the Green Knight uh, from last year, two years ago, two years ago. Two years yeah, ago. I like that, so I wanted to see this. Uh, you know, mildly because of that also, and uh, I will tell you that this was not bad. Like, this is not a bad movie uh, by any stretch, and there is a specific uh, story structure thing that they do with this movie that. Uh, according to, uh, my ex, she tells me that this wasn't in the cartoon. I didn't see the cartoon, so I don't know. But in this film, uh, I don't think that I'm spoiling anything, but I guess I'll just say that Peter Pan's relationship to Captain Hook is more complicated than it's been in previous adaptations of Peter Pan. Mm. And uh, it makes it, it honestly makes it way more interesting and compelling. And Jude Law plays Captain Hook and he's pretty good. He's doing a sort of, um, <clears throat> a sort of, um, you know, he's playing it cartoon. He's playing it very, very big. Uh, and not in the same way that, say, Dustin Hoffman did in Hook. More, mm. uh, I'd say, like more obviously humorous. But, there's this just this great moment at the end uh, and a line from Hook that's just so terrific and almost it almost it almost got me weepy almost didn't quite get there but um yeah I don't want to like I say I don't want to spoil too much stuff because um, I think it's worth a watch if you're into Peter Pan if you're into Disney remakes uh, I saw the um, Little Mermaid one also and it's not as good as this. Uh, not that it's like terrible, but it's certainly not as good as this. And uh, yeah, this is okay. <laughs> I see, uh, I see. Jib Gaffigan is in the uh, the, yes. the first six uh, cast members. That's he's Smee. Oh wow, Mr. Smee. I bet there are very few movies that Jim Gaffigan is, is in where he's in like the top six. He's in a bunch of like straight to VOD stuff where he's like the star, like thriller shit that he's in. Few, he has a few of those, but yeah. Mm. yeah. Other than that, he is like a, you know, he's, he's a bit player. Sure. I mean, I said, uh, I, I said that, uh, to, um, to my ex when we were watching it with my kid, I was like, she was like, who's Mr. Smee? And I was like, that's Jim Gaffigan. He, you know, he used to be a comedian, but now he's a character actor. <laughs> I guess he still does comedic <laughs> oh, he's stuff. Still, he... He's still a comedian. Yeah, mm-hmm. his his shows are fucking expensive. Like, every time he goes on tour, I'm like, what does it cost to go see Jim Gaffigan? Like, my mortgage, that's what it costs to go see <sighs> Jim Gaffigan. Jesus. It's, I'm, I'm exaggerating, but it's expensive. Fuck that. When was the last yeah. special you even had, though? I mean, I'm seeing 2017 here. It's like a, I thought it was a few years ago. Let's see, 2019. I don't know. Hey, I saw a strip search. Why isn't this listed on my thing? He's in strip search. I don't. I don't know what that is. You saw it. It's uh, Sidney Lumet, a terrible uh, teleplay bullshit with Maggie Gyllenhaal. Mm. 
where they strip her and search her in like Korea. You don't remember this? It was no. during it was during our Sydney Lumet arms race that year. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um <clears throat> okay. Uh so yeah, that's uh whatever movie I was talking about. Uh Peter Pan and Wendy. It's fine. Check it out if you want. If not, whatever. JR? Yeah. Twenty twenty one. This is the last time Jim Gaffigan had a uh, stand-up special. I really thought he was sort of just like giving it up for for acting because I see him in like acting and shit constantly now. I'm just like, oh, he must just be like a full-time actor. Like, well, I guess Bill Burr acts constantly and he's still doing yeah. shit. So, and know. Gaffigan had a stand-up special three years in a row in 1920 and 21. Jesus. Crazy. How good could those be? Have you seen those? Uh, no, I don't think you I can't. Have. I mean, like, how good can it be if he's doing? a new special every year. I think you I know, saw a ape. I don't know. I don't know. Carlin did one, one every year. I never saw any of Carlin's stuff. Like, dude, he always had to do, all Gavin's got to do is just like slightly tweak, you know, the um, hot voice. pocket, the hot pocket <laughs> thing and does something else yeah. about food and then talk about how many kids he has. It's all the shit's about. It's fine. Um, I speak highly of him. <laughs> no, he he has made me laugh in the past. Um I watched How to Blow Up a Pipeline. Oh, I I watched the first ten minutes of this when I was at school one day and then never got to finish it. Mm. But I will at some point. Um How to Blow Up a Pipeline is uh very good and it is you know, it is about a group of uh, activists who get together to blow up, blow up um, this pipeline in uh, West Texas because they want to disrupt uh, the oil economy in uh, in the U.S. And we kind of start, uh, you know, in in media res with uh, with our people kind of in in motion with uh, with this plan. And the movie takes time to, to jump back every once in a while. And um, kind of with each character or with uh, each, you know, some of these people will kind of show up as like couples stuff. Um, show us how these people got here. And um, that structure I was pretty worried about. I thought that would really annoy me because um, I thought it would be just to like, make these people you know fully developed people like show us like what happened to them how america wronged them or something uh and i was really happy that that is not what those kind of those flashbacks are for um they show us how these people got here but it's more of like a like a logistic thing um that ended up being really interesting and i was also worried this movie just wouldn't have any uh any conviction and would uh would make these people into villains and i'm you know i don't i hope it's not a spoiler to say it doesn't really do that like we these are our protagonists and this is what they're doing and um yeah we stick with that uh this movie is is tense like it is very suspenseful and um and just because he keeps making fun of me for i'm just gonna say it again in, in a very like fun way <laughs> like like it is it's the kind of movie where it is is very taut it's an edge of your seat kind of deal. Um, even when 
even when like like it's treated like the whole thing's like a, like a heist even when the action that's actually happening shouldn't feel that intense um and i you know i just it was impressive that they kind of maintained that for more than 90 minutes can i ask a question about it sure without spoiling no. it, okay um is the tension coming at all from the fact that they're building a bomb and it could explode in their face at any minute uh part of it that does happen not ex- yeah there there's bomb building there's bomb building tension for sure okay. do you hate yeah i'm not excited about that at all like that <laughs> i don't drive me nuts i don't think that's gonna ruin the movie for you though i don't think it's gonna ruin it i, just, I don't hard, think it's, like, it's hard to get through for me like that kind of like i i, I don't like anxiety so, and like thinking like you're something gonna be like I'm so good at building bombs. I just can't watch people do it wrong. No, just something could like <laughs> jump any sec. I feel like that happened in a movie. Oh, it was in um in fucking uh, Cross of Iron when she was blowing that guy. I remember I had to fast forward through because I was like, she's gonna bite his dick off, and I don't want to fucking. That's gonna happen. It's gonna be like a shock, and like I don't want to deal with it. So I just fast forwarded through it. Mm. <laughs> well, you know, good luck. I think. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I think this will be okay. I don't. It's like no setup is quite so simple as uh, as that one in Cross of Iron, where it's like we have someone being awful, and he's clearly an idiot who is about to do something mm-hmm. very stupid. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't. I don't think there's a moment where there's such like. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Even just like about when the, you know this where this movie's going, it's like it's never quite that obvious. It's just the jump simple. scare nature of it, you know what I mean? That's all. Yeah, I don't, I don't like jump scares. I don't, you guys should watch this. I because I, I am, will. I'm curious. I do think like because we're just kind of thrown in this situation, and because these flashbacks aren't about like developing like these. But you know, most of them are like kids, like twenty somethings. Like it's not it's not about like developing their personalities in the way that we're used to in a narrative like this. I do wonder if um some people will just like not not connect with uh with what's going on because they can't connect with these uh these characters. So fucking uh fucking Republican normies, you know, they <laughs> don't believe in climate change and they think it's stupid. The kids building the bomb don't believe in climate change? No, the the Republican normies who could be watching this. Oh, okay. Oh, I see. Oh, I see. Sorry. Sorry, I got mixed up there. Sorry. Yeah. All right. Uh, Kevin? All right. So, after watching all that horror, I figured, you know, what am I going to deep dive into next? So, I figured I might try getting back into anime or animation again. And... I ended up watching just two movies. <laughs> so the first of them was Night on the Galactic Railroad, which is about two cats who end up on this train and they go through like time and space and they're like traveling across the universe. And like parts of it are like pretty interesting, like the way they, you know, are going to different places and seeing different aspects of the universe and stuff. My biggest problem with it is it got really Christian real fast. Really? Yeah. Like there's, you know, like, and like 
like it has these like it's like broken up into like chapters and like one of them is called like the pillars of elysium and i was like that's cool and then it's like the southern cross and they're showing all these people who are dead and they're going they're literally walking into this giant cross that's you know just light Hmm. and it's like okay i'm i'm saying that it's okay that's what we're doing um this is an adaptation of a famous japanese children's book and um yes when i when i think famous japanese children's book i'm just definitely not assuming christian same (laughs) but but yeah like, like there's a part where like there's this uh blind um it's like a guy who does like um, telegrams and stuff. And like, he's like listening to this thing and it's like, turns out it's, you know, like it's only in like static and like bits and pieces, but turns out it's a hymn. And um, I won't spoil the ending, but I was also disappointed in the ending. I was like, why did that have to be what this is about? Hmm. I mean, you know, it's not horrible. It's definitely worth watching. Like I saw it on like Amazon has a thing with like freebie. So, you know, there were uh, commercials, but it wasn't an insurmountable task to watch the movie. You going to read the book? Uh, doubt it. It's nine chapters. Uh, well, I don't know unless it's like readily available. <laughs> it doesn't mean much. It's from 1927. It's really old. Yeah. Um, so the other one I watched was Appleseed, which was this kind of like cyberpunk um, futuristic deal, which was it was OK. Um, not as much mech as I you know would have suspected, um, but it's only like an hour long. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it's funny. Um, this, yeah. Like you, you guys were talking about like not having students who um, you know are into movies and stuff. Like I had an anime movie that was next to my computer at work, and this teenager goes like, she looks at me and is like, "You watch anime?" I'm like, "Yeah, I've been watching like I've been watching anime since before you were born." <laughs> yeah, kids, kids love anime. Yeah, I know. Yeah, because like she was like. You know, I could make you a list if you want. And I'm like, make you a list. <laughs> I, can make, I can make you a list. Yeah. Like, and I, gar- I guarantee you 100% like Akira's not going to be on her list. Neither is Angel's Egg or, you know, Memories or, you know, it's probably Serial gonna- Experiment Lane. Like, what the f- <laughs> yeah. are you doing? Like, probably won't even have Ghost in the Shell. Like. You know, what are you like? Get out of here with your one piece and your demon slayer. Come on. Oh, yeah. You know, that's those are the ones, too. Those are the ones those kids yeah. like. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Kevin, when you said Appleseed, I definitely assumed you meant the movie thing that like came out in 2004. So I remember that uh, being popular. Oh, yeah I, did not, yeah. I did not know that was a remake or whatever it is. Uh, it looks similar, but um, yeah, it, it might did not be. Know there was an 80s one. Yeah. I was also disappointed to learn how how little anime is um, available through, like, certain channels. Like, I mean, I don't know. Like, 
My brother has Crunchyroll, but I don't know if that necessarily has what I want on it. Because, like, I'm looking, like, I'm, like, my sweet spot for anime is, like, 80s, like, early 90s, like, you know. Yeah, that's not necessarily great, but it's still, you know, pretty good. And that stuff is challenging. And it's good that, uh, not challenging, like, in terms of content, but, like, Mm -hmm. that was the kind of shit that was always, like, hard to find on DVD, depending on on where you were at what time you were looking for it um mm. you know 20 years ago so i guess it makes sense that some of that stuff would be like showing up on like tubi and pluto yeah. and crap like that where like maybe licensing is complicated so they'll figure it out with uh with the ads or something i don't know yeah yeah i remember like suncoast was the place where you could get like most anime type stuff suncoast for 35 dollars for a dvd yeah Yeah, it was wild yeah i looked at more i browsed at suncoast more than i purchased same me too that's actually the first place i saw um the hired hand on 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 physical like i saw i saw the case and i was like what is this wow didn't didn't see it two years later but yeah the fy shit sorry the fye yeah. Um, yeah. FYI Went in there a lot. Yeah. That I got, I, I still have like some like anime DVDs that I bought there used. Cause that was, was uh, the best, dude. The used, when you can find blues. them, it rocks. Oh, so mm. good. Yeah. They had, they had a golden moment for a second and then it just all vanished. Now yeah. it's a uh, Dragos. I can't believe that still exists. Yeah. I can't believe it. I don't know. Never been there. Don't know. It's uh I mean like in New Orleans I would say that that is like a shitty like tourist version of uh of New Orleans <laughs> food. Like uh, I do not like man. the uh, original Dragos. Really? I, I can't believe it still exists in Baton Rouge. Yeah, man. I don't know. People I feel love like it. it's <laughs> like Galatoire's didn't make it. Like they tried twice to do a Baton Rouge location and their food was better. But mm. I guess. <laughs> Never well, I mean, been there either. Well, Baton Rouge is not known for embracing quality in any way. Like, no, it's we're... just you know, um, if you've if you've somehow managed to like last for like I don't know maybe more than like ten or fifteen years, then everyone goes to you just solely because you've been around for so long. Like Baton Rouge is known for embracing chains. Uh, yeah. To the point where, like, in the 90s, we were off in a market for, like, places like Applebee's, like, test menu items. Mm. Uh, like, because, just like, you know, we're such loyal fucking customers to to those, you know, just chains. And, and I, I almost said crappy, but, like, I don't actually know that those places are crappy. I'd, Applebee's is crappy. I haven't been to one good. in a long time. Yeah, I mean, uh, Chili's is okay, though. I, I don't mind Chili's. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm not a. I don't. I'm not a foodie. I don't give a fuck about food, so it's hard for me to judge any of this stuff. You know. Well, our, I'm, only, I'm only halfway there. I'm the only person that's going to be like that. Food looked tight for the for the movie we're reviewing. Oh no, no. Like oh, you know, I won't. I won't give it away just yet. But yeah, I, I have. We, a, we will I talk have, about the the. Yeah, stuff. I have. A, I have a comment about at least one of the dishes they serve. Um, All right. Well. Anyway, uh, save it, save it, yeah. sorry. So yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, 
just say briefly that I, I watched Master Gardener. I don't have like a ton to say about it, especially since I know at least JR is definitely going to watch it and uh, we could talk about it then. But I will say that um, it's good and the score is awesome. Uh, it's by, uh, fuck, who did the score? Sorry. Ooh, that's a Nazi a composer, which is strange. No, there it is. Devante Hines. Devante Hines, who did the score for Queen and Slim and Passing also. Anyway, good score. Uh, just more like Schrader, you know, experimenting with, um, I don't know what you call it, like Bersonian formalism. Um, some of the dialogue choices and the way that they're delivered, really like interesting, strange, not real, but interesting. And uh, I like where it goes. It doesn't go where you expect it to. And uh, Joel Edgerton rocks in it. And Quintessa Swindell is really good in it. And uh, Sigourney Weaver is okay. She, she reminds me of um, uh, what's her face in uh, Only God Forgives. Who's the older lady in that? Who plays oh, Scott uh, Kristen Scott Thomas. Yeah, she, it's that kind of performance. It's like these weird. She has these weird moments where she'll say things that are just completely out of hand, you know, <laughs> like it's <laughs> like absurdly, um, like, abrasive. Yeah. Like old lady rapping old lady kind of stuff, I guess. But, um, anyway, uh, yeah, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's good. Um, but it's not as good as Kelly Reichert's new film showing up, uh, which is just wonderful. It's about Michelle Williams, who's a artist, um, she's about to have an exhibition. She's she's a sculptor, and she goes to this. I want to say she works at this school, uh, this art school. But she also like, I want to say is also like a student there, or maybe she was a student there. Um, and she uh, has an apartment that she rents from Hong Chao's character, uh, who also is a former student who had a. Um, an art show that went really well and now she's like sort of doing well and uh hong chow's character in this movie joe is like the sort of most unlikable character in any movie this year so far like i hated her guts uh she's i mean she's just like your typical shit landlord who is a huge piece of shit and uh just <laughs> very lazy and uh doesn't want to do anything for her tenant and it's just galling to watch. But uh, wow, <laughs> that's part of its power and charm is, uh, mm. you know, Michelle Williams dealing with that and her weird, I'm assuming schizophrenic brother, uh, who's also like might be artistic, uh, played amazingly by John Magaro from First Cal. You guys remember John Magaro? Yeah. Is he the yeah. lead? In first cut, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. non-Asian lead in first. Right, right. Uh, yeah. He's great in this, and uh, yeah, it's just a wonderful hangout movie. Just chilling with Michelle Williams while she's sculpting shit, and there's like a bird that she has to take care of. It's a great movie. I can't, I can't even. It's hard to like. It's hard to like quantify like why it's good, but it's just like it's it's everything I love about Riker. But then it's also got like. She's doing like new things uh, with the camera that she hasn't really done before. Like, especially in the opening credits, like there's all these weird, like it looks like 
it's shots of art, right? But then the camera will just like move and like refocus on another piece of art in a very sort of just utilitarian way, like almost as if she meant to just cut between these two images that she's creating, but she left the movement in, like in the editing room or something. And it's just wonderful. I don't, <laughs> I love Kelly Riker. I love it. It's great. Andre 3000 is in this. It's a great movie. Check it out. I, I would love to. to. I yeah, cannot wait to. This was only in Denver for like a week, or at least around me in Denver. Which that's a bummer, man. Yeah, I didn't play here at all. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> not that I can get to many movies, but this is also a uh, re uh, reuniting of uh, Judd Hirsch and Michelle Williams since their last collaboration in the Fablemans last year, mm. which they were both nominated for. And Judd Hirsch is great in this too. She plays, he plays her father. Um, yeah, this is just good. There's very like sort of low stakes, low conflict. Even the conflict between her and Hong Chao is like, I probably read more into it than it's actually there, but I like, I hated Hong Chao so much in this. I didn't hate her before. <laughs> her performance is great. She's great. It's just mm. her character is like, so you want to like wring her neck. Like she's the worst. Yeah. But, but she is becoming the best. Oh yeah, she's a huge. She's she's having a moment for sure, and it's carrying over with this one. Um, I don't know what she's got on the horizon after Asteroid this City. Is she in that? Like, oh yeah, yeah, like right, right now. Oh. Yeah, you're right. Oh, okay. Not right now. Tomorrow. Day after tomorrow. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Relax. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. Asteroid City. Dude, yeah, man. The, yeah. Uh, the Alamo Draft House was doing these like. Uh, pre-screening events for asteroid city yeah and i, I looked into like going to some i was like can i go to the asteroid city brunch it's like <laughs> it was like 40 bucks well it's just because i was like you know then i could do this like, cool thing and see it before before talk friends of, talking about it, it on the podcast would be interesting like talking fucking, about the brunch yeah. you know it's fucking 40 dollars, and i was like that's not <laughs> worth it and there was this other thing they were doing. Did you see like, the movie too, though? For forty dollars, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not bad. I mean, a meal. Yeah, it's not, in the it's not bad. I, it's, I guess it's just like I don't actually really want the meal. Sure. <laughs> oh, wow. the movie. Well, and there was uh, they had this other screening where like uh, Dogfish Head is like brewed a uh, an Asteroid City beer, mm. um, and I was like, oh, I can get get a beer, and it's like a commemorative can. I was like, I don't, I don't fucking collect <laughs> cans from my beer. I'm not. 12 um you, you don't yeah, you also don't, very expensive you don't want the meal i'm the opposite i don't want the movie see <laughs> <laughs> just kidding well, at least kevin, kevin i will see it i just yeah, i'm not yeah. i was i was uh thinking about it today um that it's coming out and i was like i i have no desire to see this movie at all <laughs> but i mean i will you know i'll see it when it comes out on plex or whatever mm. Yeah, I think my priority, if I can make it to a movie theater, you know, at some point in the next five days, mm-hmm. uh, I think I'm going to try to do Past Lives because that's, oh, that's I would here. love to see that. That's that's obviously not playing here, um, which is a huge bummer. Another John Magaro performance that I'm super psyched to see. Oh, you'll get to one day. I know. I'm Actually, really. I don't know who's releasing that, so. Who knows? It's all not the, eight, all is it eight twenty four? I thought it was eight twenty four. 
if it's eight twenty four, then it'll be forever. It'll show up. It'll show up on the freaking Showtime streaming app in six months. Great. It'll show up. I mean, whatever. It'll show up on your Plex in three weeks. No, show. it won't though, because my Plex is very unreliable right now. It's, I think I think I've figured it out that it's like my Plex gets super heavy in like October. Like it starts just dumping shit all, all the time, like new stuff. But like recently, it's been pretty dry. Like I mean, it put. Um, Master Gardener came on there like the day after I downloaded it and watched it. It it uploaded. Well. Same same with Blackberry. Showing so, up is was not a showing uh, up was not on there. Showing up's not on there. Padre Pio wasn't on there. I had to, I had to download those. Oh shit. Yeah. I mean I had to watch them. I was desperate. All right. Is it uh is it my turn? Uh in yeah, our I believe so. Are we are we wrapping up here or are we, how many sure. rounds, how many more rounds do we have? I've got like one more to talk about. All right. Before, so should we do, um, whatever, kill a mockingbird. Let's do uh let's do one more round then. Okay. Uh, okay. So yeah, I'll do, this will be okay. Um, so I watched uh polite society, which is a, um, a movie <laughs> sorry it's a it's a british movie from a uh, a director whom i was only familiar with because of a uh, a tv show like a british tv show that she has done uh, the director's nita manzoor and um she has this show that's currently on peacock called uh we are lady parts about this uh it's like all muslim british punk band and mm-hmm. the first season of that is is pretty good. Sarah and I enjoyed watching it. Um, so I was just, you know, I wanted to check out her like debut feature, which is also, you know, British and um, is about a Pakistani British family, um, specifically this sort of uh, this teenage daughter in the family who is uh, trying to become a, a martial artist. That's her like dream. So we see her doing a lot of fighting and um, she has this older sister that she is very close with who has recently dropped out of art school. And uh, that sister um, is invited to this like soiree thing. And it's basically like a try to find a wife for, for a rich, a rich guy kind of deal. And uh, she ends up getting very quickly engaged to this rich guy. And, uh, and Rhea, the younger sister, martial artist, thinks there's something, something way off here with these rich people. Something's going on, and decides she has to save her sister. And um, like superficially, like I, th- I think if you watch the trailer for this movie, you'll immediately say, "Fuck no, I'm not watching this because this has too many things that remind you of uh, everything, everywhere, all at once." And uh, and it does have sort of like some some reality breaking you know like action stuff sprinkled throughout um and it is very much about family relationships um but other than that it is not like everything everywhere and and does sort of the reality breaking stuff i think uh even just better than everything everywhere at once a movie that i thought was fine uh i enjoy this movie more um the uh, the main character though, uh, played by Priya or Priya Kansara, is like she's awesome. She's incredible. This is uh, I I don't know like if she's actually a teenager or if she's like a twenty something playing a seventeen year old, but she is uh, 
she's great and just uh just where this goes the story it's it's fun not every piece works uh they're like some best friend characters that feel kind of right out of a sitcom which is not great like it's almost like just like the, her like tv style of writing shows through in a couple aspects but um that's okay this guy is in love with Peacock. Everything he watches is on Peacock, dude. I swear to God. My well, so Play Society is something I've been wanting to see. Um, uh, mm-hmm. Renfield is not. <laughs> but dude, we we use Peacock pretty frequently, and uh, our free we have like free premium Peacock uh, because our internet was so bad, and like they couldn't. Like our internet provider was like, you yeah, were trying to fix it. Here's this box that we have with free premium peacock. Um, nice. But apparently that free, that free cock goes away in five days. So uh, <laughs> yikes! are you going to pay for it? Um, I might. Cause I mean, you guys use it. I, like, I mean, yeah. Like, you use it, it for gets, like the office and shit. No, I mean, no, like a few of the shows have just looked interesting to us. Like, uh, the resort, we watched that. I watched, um, Sarah wanted to watch. We are lady parts that was on there. Um, miss Davis poker face. Like these shows are like good poker face. Yeah. And, uh, they get all the universal movies like a month after they're in theaters. Uh, You know, I could have watched, uh, could have waited like two more weeks, probably seen Fast X on Peacock, except I won't have it for free. Um, and, you know, probably would have liked it a lot more since, you know, if I it gets everything gets a Peacock bump. Totes my goats, my guy. I'm I, mean, in. I, don't, I don't think Peacock's very expensive. I might I might pay for it. We'll see. I might jump on the uh, isn't there. There's like a free non premium version, isn't there? It's like ads. Yeah. And sh- that's that's another thing I hate. So like the premium peacock mm-hmm. is like still has ads. What? Uh, it's bullshit. Oh, yeah, like you yeah. have to go, you have to go like super premium to not have the ads. So paying for peacock means that you have access to like their original shows. There's like, if you don't pay it all for peacock, you have a limited amount of things available to you what on the service. Jip, dude. That's I'm, bullshit. Dude, yeah, there's I, I multiple, agree. There's three tiers. That's fucked. There's free. You know, and like with the free stuff, you get access to like, like the day after like TV shows air on NBC. Yeah. yeah. And um, I know that they'll like do like the first epi- episode of like Bob Kiss uh, that, that like Peter um, that Pete Davis and thank you yeah. like his show <laughs> and like the first episode of Poker Face. Like you can watch the pilots because they're trying um, to get you hooked. Yeah. Mm, and then yeah. you got to pay more if you want to watch the rest. Blow me. But again, I don't. I think it's like four bucks or five bucks for that um, that level. But yeah, it sucks. You got to pay a lot more to not have the ads. Yeah, man. All right. So wait, does that mean does that mean I'm done? Yeah, I guess. Okay. I suppose. Then I'm done, John. Yep. Either you're going to talk about reality, or no, we're never. Kev- no one's going to talk about reality. Kevin. I know. I'm just saying. Oh, I'm not talking about. Term. I am not talking about reality, dude. Okay. Well, then was, we'll uh, never know anything about reality. It's a non. It's a non movie. I could. I'm. I'm almost. <laughs> well, I then mean, let me extend my turn real quick to say okay, uh, that I didn't know shit about reality, and uh, when I turned it on, I was interested. To I was intrigued to find out that like as a 
movie. It is like is the closest thing I've ever seen to something like The Arbor, the documentary I made us watch with the actors oh, yeah. like thinking. Mm, right. Um, whereas like all the dialogue in the movie is is Fuck, from a transcript. I, you're right. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. That is really that's good. And I didn't like, think about that. I, I thought <laughs> now that, it's a movie. Oh, I I just thought what was <laughs> what happened in the movie was interesting, and I liked the like weird just sort of banality of the interactions especially like in the beginning um and i I don't i don't love how it ended and i don't love i did not love like some of the weird camera stuff they start doing to um to show like how her her conscious is like fragmenting or blah 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 all that was kind of (laughs) annoying but um i I guess just the setup and what the movie was trying to be i i found uh, intriguing i, I was bothered by the fact that i know that it's transcripts and so then i'm thinking about okay every time this fbi agent like stumbles over his words it's because he read it in the transcript and he's interpreting that stumble that that's there it's not necessarily there and it feels forced and put on to me so like that really bothered me and, that is and, fair. I, and I also I, I liked that guy's performance in particular like the the, the white guy uh, josh, the, yeah, uh, josh hamilton he was like, I like just the way that they characterize him as like this guy in a polo shirt. He doesn't even have a fucking gun. He's just like a guy, you know? I was like, that's weird. Like, that's an interesting way to characterize an FBI agent. He's like a nerd. And then, um, just worried about dogs. What's, uh, what's the actress's name from Euphoria? Sydney Sweeney. Yeah, Sydney Sweeney. I thought she was, uh, good in it, but the exact same thing. Like, I'm seeing, I can see her choices as she's saying her dialogue and it's like, it's just like, I'm like, that's not, that feels like the wrong choice. It feels like you're reading it wrong. It feels like that's not what she would have done at that moment. Like a real person wouldn't do this. And if we're trying to get at the reality, the reality of the situation, (laughs) it's like, I don't know. It's just like that, that stuff bothered me. And, uh, yeah, I, and I hated all of the, uh, whatever like sort of splicing jump cut shit with the uh, all the redacted stuff like i yeah that that drove me nuts too because then it was also like why are we allowed to hear everything that they're talking about i mean i get that the transcript is redacted but it's like yeah i don't yeah it's just like it was frustrating because i was like i well i want to know like and then i ended up having so then i'm like on my phone while the movie's going reading reality winners wikipedia page trying to figure out who <laughs> what article she uh printed out and you know and what it was about and all this good so i don't know it was just frustrating but i you know it wasn't like a piece of shit or anything it just wasn't what i i thought it was going to be like a everybody was talking about sydney sweeney you know and like how good she yeah. is in it. and i thought it was going to be like a like a star turn for her but it's sort of a i mean i feel like it's something that nobody's going to watch and uh yeah We'll turn it on for five minutes and we'll turn it off. I'm not, you know, I'm not worried about Sydney Sweeney. I think me uh, neither. She's uh she's very much in the in the public eye. She's been Emmy nominated now. She'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. she's in like eight eight thousand commercials. Is she? she? Yeah, like for like skincare and like some kind of oh like coconut great, milk or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Well, she's got that twenty three step routine that she does every day. <laughs> Oh my god! Okay, I, I just remember wow. that as part of like a uh, Euphoria uh, commercial. She dresses like 
she dresses down really well. I'll say that. Like in this movie, like she's not sexy at all, and she's not like. You know, I mean, that's because no, the actual reality. I mean, she's dressed the way the actual reality was. I guess whenever this happened, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, she's not like you know the way that you've seen her in other things, right? <laughs> anyway, yeah, and uh, reality just is on. Um, it's on HBO's version of Peacock. It's on Max. Mm. <laughs> Kevin, you got something else? Yeah, so um, I finally got around to watching Red State by Kevin Smith. Oh. And so the movie itself has many parts that are not very good. They're, you know, just goofy. They're like, there's parts that have, like, you know, a hand camera when there's no need for it. But the one thing I will say about this movie, John, all of the scenes with John Goodman are fucking just chef's kiss to the max. The way, the way he like, you know, he's making it so grounded and so down to earth. And like, you know, it's just him talking on the phone most of the time. And even the other parts were like, um, you know, like I had I had 100 percent forgotten that it gets into kind of like Waco type territory where it's like, you know, just storm in and kill him and, you know, plant guns on him at the end. And you're like, what? You know, we can't do, you know, that kind of stuff. But like all all his stuff is so good. And with the, you know, like, yeah, I agree with you that like the. Like the way the the explanation for the trumpets at the end was like really just oh that's how much better lame. would it have been if it was Gabriel the Archangel arriving and annihilating everyone? I would love yeah. Oh, I, I think mean, it would have been brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or at the or at the very Such least, you know, like uh, you know, like yeah, like an angel comes down and he comes right to Michael Parks and just you know boxes his ears and his head blows up, you know, something like that. that Any, would, anything that would have been great. Yeah. More, more satisfying. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean like for all of the like, no, you know, differences that it has to like the rest of his movies, like there's still like, you know, like there's a scene at the end where like the, the dude from Mulholland drive is like, you know, making like prison rape jokes. And it's like, okay, didn't really, didn't really need this, you know, cause like it's a formal inquiry to, you know, what was happening. And, uh, John Goodman's giving his testimony, but, um, but yeah, you know, All right. those, those parts of the movie are really solid. And so that's how I, got into like so now i've rewatched all of his movies except for one he's got one called kilroy was here which he apparently only released as an nft so who knows when if you know anybody will be able to see that besides the like 20 people who bought the nft um flame yeah but uh yeah, so I've got my list of his movies ranked up on Letterboxd, and yeah, like, I was, you know, <laughs> I was surprised that Mallrats was number one. I was surprised 
like I'm sure a lot of people will be, that Cop Out was number two. Yeah, that's insane, dude. <laughs> I mean, I've never seen Cop Out. It's just like notoriously like people think it's like one of his worst movies. It's crazy. I'm, I mean, it might be great. I've never seen it. I don't know. I mean, I think it. Ha- I think the movie has a really strong script, and like that was the reason he did it in the first place. Now, is is it you know a definition of a Kevin Smith movie? No, but props to him for trying to do something different. Oh, he, trying, uh, trying to you know get out of this funk that wasn't getting him anywhere. Right. Um. He said you he know, did it because his like, dad would. He his dad would have liked it, right? Didn't he say something like that? Like, yeah, something like that. And like, he had. Um, either of you guys ever watched that British show, Manchild? No. Okay. No. Well, I think like it was written by like two brothers who were like, I think they had been trying to make an American version of that show, and Kevin Smith was in it, and then I think that led to him making Cop Out. And like he said, you know, it was a challenge to like direct something that he hadn't written before. And, you know, I think it I think it does pretty well from, you know, what I remember like three years ago or. Totally. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, I like Kevin Smith a lot as a person. As a filmmaker, though, I think he really is lacking. But, you know. I do have a lot of nostalgia attached to the movies, so I'm never going to like totally shit on any of them except for yo- yoga hosers because that's just crap. But yoga hosers, eh? Yeah. Okay. Um. All right. Well, uh, I actually, I, I actually have have two to talk about, but I'm going to blast through them. Okay. Even though they're two of my favorite movies of the year, I watched Abel Ferrer's Padre Pio, which uh, with Shia LaBeouf, and uh, Shia LaBeouf is just phenomenal in this role although it is a weird movie because it's like sort of it's like a split narrative where it's like it's about padre pio and his sort of struggles with faith and uh which is like it's like you're watching you know shia labeouf struggle with his faith it's just like it's so raw and like real i don't know it's good his the scenes with him are great and then there's the other thing going on where uh there are these soldiers who come back to town at the end of World War One in Italy, and um, there's a sort of uh, a struggle between the socialist faction uh, versus the capitalist faction, who's or uh, you know who the capitalists are also fascists who want to you know run the town, and uh, so there's that sort of conflict going on, and it's just uh, Abel Ferreira is back in a big way, you know, after his garbage uh, zeros and ones movie that he did with uh, Ethan Hawke, this experiment gone wrong. He's back making a, a relatively normal, although, you know, uh, a chance taking risk, risky film. And uh, it, it's good. It pays off. It's great. I like it a lot. And I watched Blackberry, which I liked even more. <laughs> <laughs> this is directed by Matt Johnson, and you know I'm a Matt Johnson head. Uh, I love the Dirties. I love Operation Avalanche, and I really was on the fence about this one. Boy, going yeah, in. you were it's, you were nervous. Yeah, this is because this is not your typical Matt Johnson fare. It feels like him. It feels equivalent to you know you watch like a great indie filmmaker, and then suddenly they get the call from Marvel. You know, like the scary 
situation of like I've always I'm terrified of like you know the Safties going that way or something. You know what I mean? Like them getting the call from whoever. I mean, they were supposed to make the Forty Eight Hours remake, so like that's scary. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> like, um, but like this is like that. It's like Matt Johnson being called up to the big leagues, and you're afraid he's going to lose the essence of his filmmaking quality. And I couldn't have been more wrong. Uh, this is just, it's actually incredible how much of that mentality, uh, aesthetic humor that Matt Johnson is able to retain in this story, which is not a entirely comedic story. Like it's also a very sort of, uh, I mean, it's like the rise and fall of Blackberry and the fall part is hardcore. And, uh, it's just, it's incredible how, how much he's able to maintain his aesthetic, but also like, he seems like he's growing as a filmmaker. Like he's doing, uh, he's maturing. He's doing different things with the camera. For instance, it's not all of, uh, it's not a mockumentary for instance, but it still holds like, which all of his other films have been, but it still has a lot of elements of that. Like he, he does a lot of like telephoto shit, like shooting through, you know, through office windows and stuff, like as if he's, you know, the camera's like a voyeuristic sort of thing watching people. But then there's also shots that aren't like that at all. There was just like a typical, you know, static shot inside the room. And, uh, the acting is solid. I think Baruchel, like the, the lead actor in it who plays Mike, uh, Lazaridis who created the Blackberry. His performance is like weird because he has, he has like three phases that he goes through in the movie. It's like different time periods and, um, sort of like the Steve jobs movie that Danny Boyle did, except he's no, uh, Michael Fassbender, obviously he's (laughs) Jay Baruchel for God's sake. And, uh, but he, I think he pulls off the first two fairly well. It's, he has a sort of change in the third act that I don't know if he pulls it off entirely. And then uh, Glenn Howerton, of course, the one everybody's talking about as uh, as Jim Balsilli, uh, who uh, is like the CEO or he becomes the co-CEO of the company. And he's like more of the shark cutthroat businessman who's angry all the time, but plays it naturally. You know, you don't it's not a, it's not a goof. I mean, it's funny, but it's not a goof. You know, you don't you take him seriously. You're. You see why the people in the movie are scared of his character. And uh, I don't know. It's just like it's it's approaching, you know, like when you talk about these like brand biopics like this is, uh, you know, the 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 Cheetos movie that came out on Hulu or the uh, Flamin' Hot, Flame and Hot, <laughs> which seems like, you know, it's like you see the trailer. And you're like, is this even real? Like, is this like a publicity stunt for cheetos and it's the answer is it's both but um or you know air the nike movie which is like the worst movie one of the worst movies of the year this is like that but doing it completely right it's like the social network version of that it's like doing everything properly the script is really fucking good and uh the score again is great the needle drops are great they have a slint song in this movie but you never hear a fucking slint song in a movie so that was exciting. Uh, yeah, I loved it. And Carrie always is in this. Michael Ironside. It's just a good one. And Matt Johnson is is uh, in this movie as the sort of third lead. And he's very funny. I love Matt Johnson. And I'm sorry I doubted him. This is great. Check out Blackberry. I have not seen any Matt Johnson stuff. 
You watched Operation and, uh, Avalanche, didn't you? Or the Dirties? No. We reviewed the Dirties on the show. Oh, you weren't on that episode. Not with me. Oh boy. Yeah, I think that was yeah, that was back in the Jonathan days at the Yikes. library. We're gonna have to re-review the Dirties. Let me change my pick for next time. <laughs> Dude, I'm uh, yeah, I'll I gotta check that out. I mean, I want to see the library, so I'll, I'll watch his other stuff too. I wonder maybe tomorrow. Tomorrow's like my my most free day that I've had of the summer. Yeah. I should just like sit down and just crank out Air Flaming Hot and Blackberry back oh, to back yikes. to back. Do it. You do might want to do. You might want to do like capitalism's cool. Capitalism's cool. Like Air Blackberry then Flaming Hot. You don't want to watch two duds in a row, and then you're not going to want to watch Blackberry. You're going to be like, oh, my God, it's going to be a dud, too. I, <laughs> I I, am so just convinced that I will like air more than you, even if I don't like it. I'm sure you will. I mean, you're not – you don't – yeah, I don't know. There's something – I agree. I mean, you're not going to – I don't know that you're going to have the same – although, honestly, I mean, it is – amateurish at best like it is bad <laughs> it's poorly made like it's not a good movie like it's not even like and it's weird because it's like you think like affleck's directed good movies like i mean at least he knows what he's doing when he directs a movie like argo is a very competent picture yep it's insane you watch air and tell me it's not insane that he directed this movie yeah i mean i i it's will crazy and <laughs> <laughs> I know. It, I I'm more interested in Blackberry than others because Blackberry um is like about a business that I don't think it exists anymore, right? No, they're still around. They they do um okay. they do like security work or something. They don't they're not on the phone market anymore. It's oh, just like wow. it's not beholden to like sucking the dick of some corporate entity the way that Air is and oh, the course. way that I assume Flaming Hot is. As yeah, well. right. Exactly. You're right. But yeah, yeah, they do they do cybersecurity and automotive stuff. Apparently, I don't know what that means. Acoustic management. Good for them. Making it work. Anyway, um, okay. Well, let's move into our. uh, I guess our our you know uh, letterbox roulette movie. uh, That I don't I don't remember you having to watch this. Did you just watch it for fun or what? Uh, yeah, for funsies, I, it's been a long okay. time since I, I'd seen it. I wanted, right. to, wanted to check it out. Well, I was required to watch this. Um, and I did. And Kevin, I want to say real quick. Mm-hmm. Okay. Full disclosure. I did turn Tristram Shandy back on for about five minutes. And then I decided I, I can't do it. I don't think I can do it. It's just not for me. <laughs> I mean, and I, I feel bad it, like, because I'm, I am, it's a, it's the film that I was supposed to watch. I feel like I gave it a shot and I've got 40 minutes into it. And I just can't, I can't, I don't know. I, it's not, and it's not doing anything for me. And I was like, hey, I could either finish watching that or I can watch to kill a mockingbird. You know what I mean? Hey, sometimes that happens. <sighs> you don't want the assignments to pile up. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's what that was my fear. And honestly, I was watching To Kill a Mockingbird on Plex at first, and then my Plex started acting up, which n- literally never happens. But it, today, it was like, oh, it can't uh, play back at the at the the quality that you want. I was having to change shit and settings and stuff. And then all of a sudden, uh, I saw that you had logged it, and I saw that you watched it on YouTube. So I just went to YouTube and watched it. Watched the rest. Yeah, it was right there. Just right. Looked, looked okay. Real quick before we get into it. 
do you realize that the the casting director for this, you know what his name is? No. Bodie Boatwright. Like, what kind That's of name cl- is that? I mean, it's close <laughs> to Bo- Bodie McBoatface. <laughs> Bo- it's B-O-A-T-Y. Bodie Boatwright. B-O-A-T-W-R-I-G-H-C. So insane. Anyway. Um, yeah, this is my... I had watched this um, in high school. Uh, we were required to read this in 10th grade, and I am proud to say I never read a word of it. I cheated off the girl in front of me for every quiz. She let me. Uh Looking back on it, I probably could have, like, you know, parlayed that into some kind of uh, relationship with her, but I didn't. And uh, (laughs) anyway, I, uh, yeah, so I never read this book, but I watched this movie in high school. Don't remember anything about it. But then I saw the opening credits somewhere in the last two or three years. And I remember thinking, those opening credits rock. And on this rewatch, those opening credits are a seven out of five my guy those are good credits just killer cinematography i love all the close-up shit the black and white just looks beautiful uh it's too bad that the rest of the film doesn't really hold <laughs> up to that um you know looks wise i mean it's just like it's a good looking movie it just doesn't you know it's not like it's not like night of the hunter or something those those opening shots are night yeah. of the hunter, you know what i mean <laughs> like that's good stuff that's fair. But John, I, I honestly, I'm like dumbfounded. Like, I feel like you're one of the very few people that could be like watching this movie that does not have any kind of relationship with this book. Um, I mean, I, like I so say, I, my relationship to it is that I managed not to read it when I was supposed to. Yeah. Uh, and I've, I'm like offended by that. Cause like, you know, because <laughs> like the book is fine. You know, like I I wouldn't recommend. I'm not gonna recommend it. Uh, it's like it's actually a book that I kind of hate as an English teacher. It's like we always have parents that are like, "Oh, you guys aren't reading uh, To Kill a Mockingbird this year." And it's like, no, 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 <laughs> fucking not. Because uh, like there have been other things written in the past seventy years that like yeah. deal with with race and. <laughs> and social injustice and all this stuff. And, uh, and I don't think, uh, to kill a mockingbird is, uh, is great at handling those things. I think it's very, uh, it's a very like safe and white way of handling those things. Um, but anyway, I have a lot, I have feelings about just, uh, why that, that book is like still part of our Canon and the, the movie just like follows the book, you know, as close it feels as, like it. for like a two hour deal. Sure. And so like, it just like this story can do nothing for me at this point. And it, it, I find like the, um, I think that the, the kid who plays scout is good. Me too. I agree. And I think that Gregory Peck is good. I don't know like why he won an Oscar for this, but he did. Yeah. And, a little, uh, I think he won an Oscar specifically. You know, how sometimes you can point at that one scene that he won the Oscar for, you know? Oops. And for me, well, I feel like it's probably his like courtroom speech that he does, but that's like the showy, the showpiece, I guess. But like for me, the scene that I thought he was like excellent in was when he's reacting to Tom Robinson's death, and it's like sort of a shot from behind, like over his shoulder. You don't even see his face. Yeah, 
Like that the whole scene was like I always cried during that. Though. He was so fucking good in that. Yeah, that was uh, some good body language shit there. Yeah, man. He's but the good. um yeah, I mean like the the trial thing like you know, it's the middle of the movie. It's it's a it's a huge deal and it's compelling even if it's it is like 25 minutes of like every actor involved getting a chance to just go fucking ham. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of shouting. And, and then true. <laughs> it's just like, and then it just kills me. I fucking hate the way it ends. Um, the, With the Boo fucking, Radley? No, no, the, the, tri- the trial. I hate the way the, oh, tri- the, the, way the trial ends. ends. Sorry. Okay. Well, and I don't even hate the way the trial ends. I hate the way we leave the courtroom with like the all of the um the audience members of the black audience the people who have been waiting they stay and they all like make a huge deal of standing up uh as gregory peck leaves to as like a show of respect sure just like this is just it feels gross i I didn't have an issue with that i had more of an issue with it i I really thought that they were gonna start clapping and i was like why would they clap he just lost the case (laughs) you know what i mean and honestly i having again having a he doesn't even he doesn't even look up at them he doesn't even know they're standing up that's true well i mean is that you are you inferring something about that legitimately like no atticus finch is a good guy right yes and he's not looking like he's downcast he's sure he's sad not go trial right um but also like i was like saying i like um i forgot i was gonna say now (laughs) that's okay i just lost my train of thought i thought the score was uh interesting it was like schizophrenic i felt like like it had these like like sometimes like the its main sort of phrase which is playing during the um when they're in the woods uh during halloween before they get attacked by yule um its main phrase is like very very like sort of uh traditional cliche almost but then there's like these other moments where there's like these weird like syncopated piano notes and they're just like going all over the place and it feels like like one piece in one scene has nothing to do with another piece in another scene but they're all good pieces individually they just they don't feel coherent at all i don't know if you noticed that but that's <laughs> it's burns i did not he's, he's a great like he's one of the great composers yeah. So I, I feel like it's my fault if something's wrong with it, but you know, but uh, you know, I thought both the kids were good. I thought Jim was good too. Um, and I honestly, I was surprised at how I always thought of this movie as a story as being more of about Gregory Peck and uh, or Atticus and Scout, but there's like a lot of Atticus and Jim in this. Mm-hmm. And I, I wasn't even aware of, I thought Jim was going to be like sort of a minor character that barely was in it. But I mean, a lot of the sort of like, you know, uh, moral learning that people, that the kids do is through Jim. And did trials used to take place only in one day? Is that how (laughs) things were in the thirties? I don't know. Uh, yeah, maybe I kind of always assumed that was narrative convenience, but also that could have been, um, you know, this is a trial for a black dude in the 1930s South. Like sure. we're going to spend multiple days on this. We all know the verdict anyway. That's fair. Um, I thought the scene outside the jail was good when the guys come to kill him and scout like single handedly turns them around without even realizing what she's doing. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's good <laughs> stuff. Like that's uh, I thought that was powerful. Also, I didn't, uh, that's what I was going to say. Um, that my limited sort of uh, uh, knowledge of the book, I did not see the guilty verdict coming. I thought we we're going to have the cliche, you know, 
a time to kill ending, you know, not guilty. Hey, he's free. And then, you know, that's the end of the movie, but he's guilty. And then there's like 25 minutes left, you know? Yeah. Which is weird too, because I was like the whole movies they're talking, these kids are obsessed with Boo Radley. And then the way Boo Radley shows up is that he's like a, you know, uh, protector for them. He murders uh, Bob Yule, who's trying to attack straight, them. Straight up, yeah. Yeah, and then, insanely, Gregory Peck says, uh, he's hiding behind the door in, like, the creepiest moment of the film, right? He's like, <laughs> oh, there he is, and then, like, they cut to him in shadow, and I'm like, holy fuck, like, this is, like, <laughs> it's like terrifying. <laughs> it's like, he's, like, it's almost like he's behind shadow, but, like, lit. The yeah, way that strange. that scene's lit is, is wild. And he's pale, got makeup. Pale too. Like, boy. He's got, like, he's got like black circles on his eyes and shit. Like he looks yeah. like a raccoon. And uh, the fact that like uh, Gregory Peck tells the sheriff, hey, let's go talk on the porch for a while. And they leave his nine-year-old daughter alone in a room with this madman who just murdered somebody. Well, it, actually, I was going to make a, a defense that makes no sense because you're right. He did just murder somebody. Yeah. Uh, and they all know that. And they let her walk him home later by herself. Yeah. Because, <laughs> I the, mean, the fence that doesn't make sense is like, because Gregory Peck knows that Boo Radley, like, isn't the monster that like sure, the kids think like, he is, except that he did murder somebody. And he doesn't yeah. know, he doesn't know anything about him except that he killed Bob Yule. And he doesn't even really know why he did that. I mean, he can infer that he was protecting the kids, but he could just be insane, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. Be like a wandering madman, you know. And I God mean, knows what other proclivities he has. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Because he, yeah, again, he is just standing in that fucking corner. <laughs> terrifying, dude. Um, it's also weird that like there's so little of. I mean, not it's not weird that there's so little of him because it's like you you watch it and you're like, oh, that's Robert Duvall, like he's huge, but he's obviously like, nobody at the time. But like, mm. he's the fact that he has no lines is a little weird. I thought he was going to say something. Like says boo. nothing. Yeah, you think he would say boo? Um, boo. <laughs> it's strange that he's in, that he's in it so little and says so little. Um. Yeah, I think that's. Oh yeah, that's. I that was my last note. A little weird that they leave Boo with Scout alone after he just murdered him. In. <laughs> so, that was my last note. It's definitely uh, a parenting choice. I mean, a lot of that though. You know, I was. I had. I was thinking about that a lot during the movie, though, like because there's tons of scenes where Gregory Peck sees his kids in the middle of town and tells them to go home, and then they just run home by themselves. So they're just like sort of just doing whatever they want in public all day by themselves, and I'm just like that. You know, I would never like I can't. I was like, if I'm if I put myself in his shoes, like I would never let Amelia do anything by herself in the middle of town. I mean, it's like, it's uh, yeah. like one home in the middle when of the, you, even at the jail. It's the middle of the night for God's sake, go home. Like yeah. you got to take them home, man. Yeah. <laughs> like we don't like, live have, in have uh, someone escort them home. Yeah, exactly. Something. Yeah. I, I understand that things are a little different in like a tiny, tiny rural town, of course, a, of course. you know, a hundred years ago, but sure. But yeah, that's uh, it's hard to imagine me not having, Renee is just like in my immediate yeah exactly vision yeah. uh for you know until she's like 18 who knows and, and right no it's totally. like you go, go to school and that's it yeah you go to school and i i will pick you up <laughs> <laughs> no 
no one else. Um, yeah. So anyway, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't think it was, you know, it's not like it's bad or anything. I, I, uh, enjoyed it for what it is. I think it's a little, like you say, it's like the safe version of the story. Um, it's not doing anything particularly interesting with it, but, uh, it's competent and it's a three star movie for me. So let's move on, I guess, to our deep dive, which is uh, Big Night. This is Kevin's pick. From 1996, directed by Stanley Tucci and Campbell Scott and starring Mark Anthony, Tony Shalhoub, Stanley Tucci, uh, (laughs) Minnie Driver, Isabella Rosalini, Liev Schreiber. I don't remember him in this. Uh, He's 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 like in a a split second. Yeah, yeah, right outside of the restaurant. Yeah. Um, And uh, Ian Holm. Is this mm-hmm. in order of appearance? Yeah, it is. Okay. <laughs> it's like, That's why the way it starting was. with Mark Anthony. Well, at the, at, that's the way it is in the uh, credits too. At the end credits, Mark Anthony's the first one. Oh, okay. But not at the, not in the opening credits, right? Uh, I don't know. I know like, it, like Shalhoub and Tucci are the last names that appear, but I'm pretty sure, but and I, I think it's six names. I'm pretty sure Mark Anthony is not. I don't first, think, so. yeah, I think it's mini driver. And I don't think Campbell Scott is mentioned in the opening credits. As yeah, he's, he's, as a good. small like small part. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Kevin, why this movie? Why now? So I forget how I came across it, but it was just a movie that I saw that none of us had logged, and you know, I was like, Stanley Tucci and Shalhoub, you know, they're decent for for what they are, so. You know, this it's something fresh, something, something new fresh. that none of us, you know, none of us have seen. So, figured it would. That's be all it really good, takes, right? Good I mean, fodder, it's just, yeah, yeah. It's just, if nobody's logged it, it's it's good to go. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I hear you. Yeah. This is from the same year as what I think was your most recent pick, uh, Bound. Oh wow! That's oh yeah, 1996. It's crazy. And I found that out uh, when I added, um, oh, I added yeah, this movie to like a 1996 list. Yeah. yeah. You're going to have to um, keep it going with your next pick, Kevin. I'll try. <laughs> do, uh, do uh, you know, waiting for Guffman or um, the, English, <laughs> the English patient. <laughs> so, I mean, so, so Kevin, you chose a restaurant movie. Which, you know, if you've been following my like my past year, kind of with the bear and a couple other things, uh, mm. it's it's not taken much for a restaurant movie to a uh, restaurant show to kind of kind of tickle tickle my bits um, in a pleasant <laughs> way. Tickle your bits. <laughs> All right, my my emotional bits. Sure, um, right, right, sure. sure. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I'm curious. Uh, curious what you guys thought. Oh, okay. I feel like you already. I'll just like because this is a nice movie, and sometimes I just like. Oh yeah, he hates mentally 90s movies. Make funny right. yeah, always yeah. picking. You guys always fucking pick nineties movies. And then I was just like, Do you know like, why? Super you know why? Yes. I could tell you why. Because that's when we grew up. No, because you haven't seen any of them. Oh yeah, and that's all well, I've seen. It, I've seen a ton of them. Just I mean, not, but. The ones, the, right you, ones. Yeah, the ones you have seen aren't the ones we have seen. And that <laughs> it ends up being like, because, uh, yeah, it's like like half my um, 
potential deep dives list is 90s movies. And it's, I realize it's because uh, they're just, I mean, they're all the nice movies you haven't fucking seen. You haven't, or at least yeah. you haven't marked them as watched. I know you try mm-hmm. to mark them as watched that you've seen. Yeah. So. Um, um, okay. I'll, I go first. I'll talk about it. Um, I thought that it was, uh... oh, let's see. Um, okay. I like the way that it opens and closes, uh, essentially doing the same thing. Like I like that it's bookended by these scenes of the two brothers in the kitchen, uh, cooking. And it's sort of like at the beginning, uh, they're in their sort of, um, their modes as it were like Tony Schlub is the chef. He's back of the house and Stanley Tucci is front of the house and, uh, they're working and then at the end it's sort of it's it's reversed a little bit i mean it's not a full reversal but it's like stanley tucci is cooking for him he makes the eggs and everything and uh i like that i don't know that i appreciate entirely how they get to that point like the sort of um the sort of uh blow up that they have on the beach together like i don't know that I don't know. I feel it felt a little bit like contrived the way they get there and how everything sort of blows up in their face. I do like the idea of like, they had this idea for this. I, I guess I would almost say like, I wish that the, the, the whole Louis Prima thing had actually happened and it worked out. for mm. them. <laughs> Like I kind of like, I was kind of like, you know, like less enthused when it was like, okay, so so just like, especially with the reveal of like Ian Holm as like a dastardly villain who's, <laughs> you know, trying to fuck them <laughs> over because of their competition. Because I really like the idea that they're friendly with the guy who runs the restaurant across the street. I think that that's an interesting idea. Like you never see that. Like they should hate each other. They should be like trying to undercut one another. And yet, Stanley Tucci and him are buddies. He goes to him, asks him for a loan. You know, it's like, it's just a really weird, it's an interesting dynamic between the two restaurants. Uh, especially since one of them is clearly in the, you know, the power position. One of them is very, very successful and the other one is not. But you know what happens to that man's restaurant every night? What man's in Holmes? Yeah. What happens? Rape. Oh. Rape. Sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> The rape of cuisine. Right. All right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Good. Yes, that's true. Um, so, I mean, maybe that's like also like a, that's a commentary, I guess, that's being made about like, you know, I mean, I don't know how concerned they, that Stanley Tucci and Campbell Scott generally are on like the food aspect of this. Like, do you find that like they're, they actually care about food and that's why they wrote this movie. Like it doesn't seem focused on the food at all. Like it seems focused on they're, they're interested in making this relationship between these two brothers and the whole, the, the, you know, the affairs that Stanley Tucci is carrying on and so forth. You know, I think there's like a legitimate interest in like the idea of the American dream. And Mm. sure. I think that like, what doesn't work about, um, you know, the Tony Shalhoub, like the, the brothers blow up at the end for me is like, I I think what Shalhoub is yelling at, uh, at Tucci is almost like it like makes sense thematically, but like, doesn't actually make sense with what we've seen of Stanley Tucci's character. Like where he calls him like, like you have rotted as though like he cares about the money and the success and, 
you know, he wanted like Lou, Lou Prima, like he wanted this to work out so that they could like be successful and stuff. And, and I, as though like, sorry, as though uh, Stanley Tucci is becoming Ian Holm or something. And I, it's like, I don't think that is actually what happened at all. <laughs> Not like, at all. Yeah. It's like Tucci mm. like really truly believes in his brother's cooking and is like trying to keep this restaurant open by, like any means possible. Yeah, it doesn't even feel like they so, want. It doesn't even feel like Stanley Tucci is a, attempting to achieve success. He just wants to keep the lights on, right? Like they're yeah. they're in a bad way. They're going to get shut down. He's just trying to keep them well, afloat for like I, until they can mm, until they can I just, do I, something. I I think Tony Shalhoub's character is so like laser focused on the cooking and cares mm-hmm. about nothing else that like he just sees everything that his brother has to manage as an annoyance. But yeah, I think like, um, the, you have rotted line is like, it's more about like Ian home, uh, and just what sort of he's, what he, I guess how he signifies the, uh, the American dream, like by, um, compromising, your uh, your culture and your values to to like make it appealing, selling out. Yeah, yeah. I read that uh, Stanley Tucci wrote this movie because he wanted uh, a better part for himself to be able to play. And yeah, like like everything that you guys are talking about is spot on because like. It's definitely like it was. There are a lot of ideas in this movie. None of them really come to fruition in any sort of meaningful way. And like, especially like, like, yeah, the ending, even though it's not a happy ending, like the ending is not earned. I don't feel. Like, there's no, like, I don't think there's any reason for them to have failed and, you know, will lose their restaurant and maybe potentially go to Rome to work with their uncle, even though, like, that's literally, like, a five-minute scene with Shaloub talking on the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I was like, yeah, I, I feel like Tucci kind of took like a lot of elements of like Italian immigrants and just kind of threw them all into a movie. And yeah, like I think he, I think he, you know, I don't know if this was his first screenplay, but it seems like a first screenplay where he's just kind of throwing, throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. I, th- I think it was, and and that. It's like I kind of want to talk more about the ending, but I also um, I wonder if we should back up since we've we've kind of jumped oh, okay. to the ending and not said what this movie's about, which you know this movie's old doesn't really matter, and it's you know it's just like two brothers operating a restaurant, like the plot's not super complex or anything, but I I do think there are things that get us like I don't think everything about like the climax works, but I do like that ending. But I feel like uh, I do feel like yeah, we should go back. We should go back to the. <laughs> I'm gonna go back to the beginning here. Um, I love in the beginning the way that um, they kind of establish some uh, some like brotherhood dynamics where they're both cooking mm. before they open, and 
Shalub like just kind of passes over the pan of whatever sauce he's cooking for uh, Tucci to try it. Mm-hmm. And Tucci tries it, clearly likes it. And then Shalub asks, like, more salt. And Tucci flatly says no. And then we just see Shalub look at Tucci as he grabs more salt and throws it <laughs> into that pan. <laughs> Like you don't you don't know what you're fucking talking about. Uh, <laughs> but then I also was like distracted in that scene because I was like, there's a lot of space in this kitchen. Yeah. And the space mm-hmm. felt like it was arranged almost like so that there was like artificial space for a camera to move. And like it almost reminded me of like a, a sitcom set where like I'm probably only gonna see this one angle of this kitchen, which ended up not being true. Um well, there's some weird, I mean, weird. speaking of the camera, there was some weird camera work in this too. Like, I don't know if you guys remember the, the scene when, uh, so, uh, to just continuing on, I guess, so moving, like moving forward, uh, <laughs> you know, they're they're They need money to stay open. So Stanley Tucci, uh, is trying to figure out how they're going to do that because like, uh, JR said, um, what's his face shaloub is uh laser focused on the food isn't he's not thinking about the the business aspect of this at all he's an artist right with the artist mentality and temperament and stanley tucci uh has to go to the bank for a loan which they deny him and then he goes to uh ian holmes character who's pascal or at least the restaurant's pascal is his name is pascal Mm. and uh and during that scene like they shoot the you know the one two shot of the dialogue like through the lamp yeah exactly <laughs> exactly what i've been doing so, like, for two hours and i'm trying to like think like i was like watching it and i was like okay you know that's a that's a bold choice it's <laughs> like indeed i don't know what I, I was like trying to figure out what they're getting at and i was I, like maybe it's like it's like a power move from pascal like you know, you don't get to see me. And I was thinking, I was like looking at the wide shot, and I was like, that lamp could easily go on the other side of his desk. Like, what? Is, why is it there? I don't know. It, it drove me crazy. I wrote down, it's like it's truly insane because it it's just <laughs> yeah. there, and it it annoys home. Like, so, so eventually, like, I was like, man, it blocks his mouth so perfectly. This has to be intentional. They're holding on it for so fucking long, yeah. um, and then he slaps it down out of the way. And right, then we yeah. get the reverse two shot, and now it's covering Stanley Tucci's mouth. And I was like, "Oh my god!" Um, yeah, it just and, feels and like, yeah. A, like a like a like they thought that was clever in some way. And I, it's just it's strange. It's so strange. It's it's one of yeah. So like that was like a, a camera framing thing where I think someone just thought it was funny. Right. And then there's like the uh, <laughs> the little sort of like one off conversation uh, that Shalub Tucci and um, and Pascal all or, and home all have about mm-hmm. uh, like, like Shalub gives this like little saying about the rain outside and Tucci is just like, well, cause it wouldn't rain inside. And he's oh, like, right. he's trying yeah. to explain like the language thing. And they're just like staring at him. It's like this very um, like awkward, almost like Seinfeld, nothing conversation <laughs> bit. Right. And I was just like, I am curious why someone thought we needed to leave this in this movie. It's not even, yeah, it's not like, it's not even that that's like a bad, like that could be a beat and that's a, that's not a bad like joke yeah. to make, but it's just like, yeah, it keeps going and going and going. I'm but, like, Jesus Christ, dude, like well, this is, just, it's a little much. Like We don't have any yeah. other beats 
like that. Right. There are no other moments of comedy that have sort of that kind of like awkward energy. It was like, I don't like, I, I think what they've done there is like, they executed it pretty well. It's awkward. It's, and it's weird and it goes on too long. That seems intentional, but like, there's nothing else like that, which does get back to Kevin sort of throw things at the, at the wall. Mm. Um, I, I, again, I like this movie and I'm, I'm, I don't want to say that like there's too much of that kind of stuff that they're just throwing out there, but I do think it's almost like on on a, a script level, we had a ton of things that we're trying out, and sure. they probably should have uh, cut some of their darlings. I uh, mm. yeah, I think that um, I mean I I mean it's yeah, it's obvious that it's like it's the it's it's like their first sort of try at you know doing something, and it's yeah. uh. Not everything's gonna work, you know. Yeah. But uh, some of the stuff does work, though. I mean, some of their, like, I like, for instance, the way the dinner scene is set up. Uh, it's sort of like the centerpiece of the movie. This this really really long dinner that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like the idea that it's like, it's uh, I guess only because it seems like so strange to me. But that the fact that they they bring in like. 12 people or whatever, however many people there are, 15 people, and they seat them all at one table, like this huge table, and that's how they serve everybody. And I was just like, it's so strange because, like, they're a restaurant. You'd think they would just like, have a normal night service of restaurant, but they have to yeah. make it like this thing where it's this huge table and they're going to put Louis Prima in the middle, I guess, or something when he gets there, you know, even though there's no seats left at this table. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, but it is a restaurant. They had, uh, they had tables to add if they, that's to. true, I guess, you know, but yeah. it's just, I don't know. It's so strange. And then the fact that the dinner lasts until like three in the morning, you know, like they're all just hanging yeah. out, dancing and playing games and shit. I don't know. It seemed very like strange, but also, like you know, can't undeniably interesting. I, I I'll say something real quick. Sorry, something else that that uh that I had issues with or trouble with, and it's just like it's sort of a nitpick, but it, like and normally this sort of thing doesn't bother me, but uh the accents and the the languages uh like Shaloub speaking Italian, pretty solid, you know, like sounded mm. good, sounded like he was you know really had a dialect coach or something. I don't know, and his accent uh while cartoonally italian at least it was you know it was like it feel like it was like thick enough to where he wasn't falling out of it but tucci was going so much more subtle and he was falling out of it all the time yeah i i I wrote down that like when tucci has to deliver like a really serious line yeah it goes away like when they're in the we're in the car and that's i was just just like they should come just for the food and and Tucci starts, I know, with the accent, but then he says, but they don't. And it's totally just like Tucci. Uh, yeah. Like, like <laughs> that was a line that he said in The Devil Wears Prada. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. If, we get, if we get Tucci on the, uh, on the letterbox roulette, I am so going to lose, dude. I have not seen this guy much. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I've seen so, the Devil Wears Prada. I haven't seen a ton. But... I haven't seen Devil Wears Prada. So. All right. Sorry, Kevin. <laughs> Favorite food shot. Oh. So I really liked the part where they're making the pasta. Like, I was hoping that there was going to be more, like, you know, stuff like that. Where, like, you're really seeing, like, the intricacies and, like, seeing, like, you know, like, I haven't haven't seen it 
well, I've seen like part of it, but I have uh, Tampopo where like, you know, there's like, you know, scenes where they're really showing you how much this person loves food and how much they really want it to be good. And, you know, like, I feel like with Shalhoub's character, like they could have, you know, it's a little extreme, so it could have been cartoony, but like when they're all like, you know, making the timpani and stuff, like it looks like they're really doing that. And sure. The movie, I feel like the movie could have used a lot more of that. I like the, yeah, I liked when they were rolling the pasta. I thought that looked really cool. And like, uh, I mean, I like any of the foods, even, even like the, at the end when he makes the eggs, I was like, this is, mm. I, I like the idea that he, they, they show him making these eggs. Like it takes, like he takes time to show him scrambling these eggs. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one, uh, it's an unbroken shot. Yeah. It's not bad. And, um, and he does, he's able to separate them into three equal portions, which is pretty good. Um, yeah. but, uh, but I will say that the timpano, the thing that they make the, the, his specialty with the eggs and the baked, uh, whatever looks, mm just fucking disgusting when they oh. cut it open and serve it it looks heinous it's i'm sure it's good i don't know i don't, looks, I don't think it looks disgusting but I like it, it, it makes cool, sense dude. that oh those meatballs and eggs sat in the oven for a long time that's what it looks like yeah it just looks gross i don't know about the eggs the rest yeah, of it probably... why are they why are there fucking boiled eggs in it like that's <laughs> yeah. it makes no sense it's gross dude i don't know yeah i'm not into that but um Aside from that, I thought all the food looked fine. I, I just say like, it seems like they're not concerned with, you know, it's not food porn. Like they're not showing the food a lot. You know, there are those shots mm-hmm. of them preparing it, but it feels like that's just showing that they're getting ready and they they care a lot about the the food and they want it to, uh, you know, they want it to work. How'd you guys feel about the attempted uh, Goodfellas shot in uh, in Pascal's restaurant when we first enter? Oh yeah, I was I was wondering about that. You know, it was like, it was yeah, mo- modest, whatever. <laughs> it was. I thought it was like, um, sort of a. I don't know. I, it feels a little bit like, like who are who are you, Stanley Tucci and Campbell Scott, that you're going to try to do something like this in this <laughs> movie that is so minor. You know, and like, what's the, it felt like, what's the point of it? Like, what do we, why do we need this shot? I mean, except to show, Uh, cause we, like we walked across the street and they have a, it's like right there. And the situation in that restaurant is so different. Sure. Um, I, do I think that the Goodfellas shot is like, that's the way that they should do that? No, No. I don't. (laughs) I don't either. How do you guys feel about Ian Holm playing an Italian man? I thought it was a little weird. Also, like, you know, like, his just random explosions of, you know, for, like, seemingly no reason, like, that kind of wore on my nerves a little bit. Yeah, he's an annoying character, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, all of a sudden, he's just yelling for no reason. And... Like, when he, like, freaks out at the dinner table. I should fucking kill him! That was brutal, man. (laughs) Like... What a way to get to that, like, yeah, this like, like joke or whatever it is, you know, this idea that he's uh, this great cook. Oh my god, I'm gonna fucking yeah. kill you! I was like, ugh, yeah, that character was super obnoxious. I should say also, all the rest of my things are like nitpicks, also, but I, 
I I actually I enjoyed the film. Like I didn't dislike the movie. I just mm, yeah. I, I had a lot of issues with it. You know? Well, and uh, yeah, I liked the brothers' relationship so much, um, and I generally liked the performances uh, all around. Like I I liked Minnie Driver, even though she kind of has like this sort of nothing part. Um, mm. Like she's. She's like the girlfriend who just kind of gets shat on. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a bummer. But uh, I don't know. I like about How about, how about uh, Alice and Janie? Talk about a nothing part, eh? Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like excited. A- although I did like their. I like that Shaloub. Like, I like that whole subplot of like Shaloub being into her and like not being able to express that because he's shy and an immigrant and everything. And then the way that it resolves itself when uh, Stanley Tucci sort of hooks them up, like I liked all that. That was like really sweet and everything. You know? Yeah, I could, I could have gone gone for more of it, honestly. Yeah, I um, I have nitpicky things, and and all of my nitpicks are just like you see. Again, and it goes back to what Kevin was saying, where I'm just I think I'm at like a, just you know, like these things affected me less than maybe they affected Kevin, where it's like I can see how you're making the sausage, I guess. Oh yeah. yeah. Like yeah. I can see what you're trying and I can see how it's not quite working and not coming together. Um, completely where, you know, it's like the affair with Isabella Rosalini with Pascal's wife played by Isabella Rosalini is like one, it's making sure that Stanley Tucci's character is like, not some, you know, perfect guy. Uh, you know, he's got to have have some darker shades. And then it's like she's basically there just to make sure that we find out that Ian Holm didn't actually call Louis Prima like that. Right. That is and like just to be like a disruptor at this uh, at this party. She's like, also oh. uh, there. The writer, the writer of the film who conveniently stars in the film gave himself two girlfriends and cast and cast beautiful ladies as both of them. So yeah, he sure, he sure did. <laughs> yeah. Sure I mean, I can't did. fault him, you know, it's a, it's a smooth no, move, no. but Look, you know, <laughs> yeah. and it's then just... he gave Tony Schlub, Alice and Janney. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, I do like, uh, that, like the casting, they were like, we just want tall. I, I guess maybe they're at least for mini driver and, uh, Isabella Rosini. We just want tall, gorgeous women. Uh, for our very not tall selves to date, sure. um, Jane's tall too, right? Oh, Jane's extremely tall. I wasn't gonna like say that she's gorgeous. She's not unattractive. Not, yeah, but she's not. She's not conventionally, yeah, like movie star yeah. gorgeous. Sure. Um, what did you guys think about Salesman Bob? I th- I I boy, I was waiting for Campbell Scott to show up. I knew he was going to be in it, even though mm-hmm. I didn't remember seeing his name at the beginning of the film. But I just like I was like he's got to be in this at some point, and then he shows up, and uh, I don't know how I feel about his character. I like the performance though. He's just I just like Campbell Scott, man. I don't know. I have something about <laughs> it. It's very. He's got he's got a charisma, and it's a weird charisma too because I think this is his voice is so like deep. It's just mm-hmm. strange. Like it doesn't match his face, and then, and then <laughs> like I don't know. Just all the I like I like his the salesman attitude of like him, you know, uh, 
immediately is trying to sell him this Cadillac and telling him how great it is and how great he's going to feel. And they get in it and everything. And they have the cigarette lighter, which is like, it's all the old shit, you know, like the sort of antique stuff that you don't see in movies anymore. Mm. Cool. And it was an it, interesting way to get around. Like you don't have to have a lived in car, you know, like one of the, like I, I see, you see these old movies all the time. And like all the cars on the streets are like beautiful because they're collectors, cars that yeah. they lent the movie production they're not going to bang them up you know but this one it's like okay well it makes sense it's a beautiful car it's brand new <laughs> you know <laughs> no problem it's, uh, it's next year's model yeah exactly yeah. no issue i um he was another one of those things where what he is doing is unlike anything anybody else is doing uh i wrote down that his salesman is in a different movie, specifically a Hal Hartley movie. Oh, mm. like he is, he is playing like Roger Dodger in a Hal Hartley movie. Sure. Um, and in the movie that he directed, he's a smooth talker for sure. Yeah, but I, and I, I, I chuckled at, you know, how'd you hurt your hand? I have no idea. <laughs> 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 it's our second uh, deep dive with Campbell Scott. Yeah. yeah, I think it's only two. We haven't watched singles yet. So. Yeah, ah. I mean, it's, it's definitely the, the yeah. there are only two that we've done where he's like front and center. Right. Maybe he's different reasons in the background of one of them. How'd you guys feel about Mark Anthony and the fact that he has almost no dialogue? It's very curious. He's a huge star at this time, too. Not a movie star, but like a music sensation. Like he's. He's sold millions of records when he's in this movie and he's like, he's got nothing to do in it. He's, but you would think you would honestly think like in the hands of a different filmmaker, not necessarily a better or worse filmmaker, but just a different filmmaker would somehow make him like the, the center of the film somehow, you know, like Mm. a Coen brothers would do that. You know what I mean? Like they'd be like the whole movie's actually about the, the bus boy. You know, and and he's got no dialogue, but he's in every scene and he sees everything that's going on. And he has something very, very, uh, wise to say about it all at the end, maybe, or something. I don't know, but they, uh, they didn't go that direction. They decided to cast this, uh, Grammy award-winning musical artist as a, uh, mute. (laughs) No, he's not mute. I mean, he has, has a line. I think he. I mean, he, he says just, like their names occasionally. He says, like, he says, got a phone call. Got a phone call. Know? Phone call. That's like his only. He's line. like, or he's, I, um, Tucci tells him to do something. He's like, Cristiano, go like talk to the, go get the booze or something. And he's like, he's like, please, Cristiano, like like uh, mm-hmm. like he basically asks them to to add please. <laughs> um, yeah, it was bizarre. I I think I, I wrote down at the beginning. Why is J Lo's ex husband just skulking in the background of the kitchen yeah. scenes? <laughs> and I, I like I like Mark Anthony. I especially like Mark Anthony. Yeah. Like in this period, like this is when he did the substitutes. When he around when he did uh, bringing out the dead. Like I think he's a competent young actor, and he could have been you know something more in this. But he they just didn't give him a chance, man. He gets yeah, to I mean, dance with uh, Rossellini at one point, so yeah. I'm sure that was exciting for him. But yeah, for sure. Have we said the names? Of Tucci and Shalhoub's characters, Primo yeah. and Secondo, oh, first and second. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, we haven't said that. You know, honestly, I just got that when I said those. Oh my gosh! 
<laughs> I I just got that. Oh my god. Um, I was like immediately annoyed that it's like that's like a that's like a have, character. What? It's a character development cheat. Like I immediately know who the big brother right. is, who the little right. brother is. Well, Tony Shalhoub is older in reality. Yeah. He's like ten years older than Stanley Tucci. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> well. Um, but Again, I mean, Stanley Tucci got to give himself two girlfriends and imagine himself as a as a younger man than he was. Mm. It's true. Stanley Tucci is just a dog. I mean, when you yeah. think about it, like he's <laughs> <laughs> he also casts uh, Christine Tucci, who I guess is his wife, his sis- sister, his sister. Oh, it's his sister. Yeah. Okay, never mind. Never mind. Then it holds up. Then he's a he's a dog. Um, Anyways, I only have one more note, which is that Ian Holm is definitely not playing piano at the end of the movie. No, that's in the IMDb trivia that like. Oh, is it? <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it doesn't sync up. Also, fun little fact that I saw on the IMDb page. So this movie was featured in the same Siskel and Ebert episode where they reviewed. Paradise Lost, the murders, the child, the Robin Hood oh. child, child murders. So, you know, you just got to pick one from that episode again for my next God. deep dive. <laughs> so, wow. So 1996, officially Filmiac's favorite year. We've done. Oh, my God. <laughs> we've done three movies. Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll do a uh, last oh man standing God. next time. <laughs> we did uh, private parts also, which is uh, the year after. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I was, I was thinking, uh, this is the earliest. Like, I was like, this must be the earliest I've ever seen Alice and Janney, and I was right, but, but not by much. Christine Tucci also in Private Parts. <laughs> oh wow, weirdly enough, in Private Parts. She was Doctor. So I don't know. Maybe the Doctor who talks to them about their, uh, their miscarriage. I don't know. Mm. No memory of that. Okay. Um, so yes. Yeah, I mean, my only other thing is, is that I do, I just, I do think the end works. Uh, I think. Yeah, I like the ending. I think giving, laying out that um, Pascal desperately wants them to work for him, uh, and that, like, Primo is, like, really legitimately considering going to work back at the restaurant in Rome and that Secondo is like, I am never going back to Rome, but like they have not had this conversation together. I like that the brothers never like talk about this together. Mm-hmm. So like at the end they have spent all their money. Like they don't have options. Like realistically, this restaurant is going to be foreclosed and they're going to have to like figure out what to do. And I like that in that moment, you know, it's, it's more like just like two brothers. We've had a blow up. And uh, the next morning, you know, we just, you know, we are okay. We do our thing. We're going to have this, like, meal I'm going to cook for you. And then, you know, eventually we're going to have to figure some stuff out. Um, I, I, I guess I just, I like its specific depiction of, like, the downer ending where, you know, it's, it's not, like, ambiguous what's going to happen, but it's ambiguous, like, what specifically they will do. But we, we have we have enough of like character information from them to like think about how those conversations could realistically go. Sure. Yeah. I, yeah. I like that too. I, I, yeah, I think the, uh, I just, you know, the, um, it's just wraps up nicely. That's all. I mean, 
again, I don't, I don't love some of the ways that it gets there, but I like, I like the, I like the, I, I like the scene a lot where he cooks the eggs. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's really um, calm and nice. Mm. Ratings. I'm going three and a half. I'm going to go with a four. Yikes. I'm going three, guys. <laughs> I, really, I really liked it. I liked it. Not really liked it. Just liked it. Mm. Um, I'm going okay. to fire up the Bear Season 2 right fucking now. I'm not going to do that. That's not out yet, is it? Yeah, it is. Comes out on uh, Friday, I thought. Thursday. It's not Thursday yet. It. I mean... I'm pretty sure if I turn on Hulu right now, it's Thursday. Oh, you think? Anyways, let's play uh, Letterboxd Roulette. All right. Well, we should probably talk about this, though. We should use, right? We should use Mark Anthony, Tony Shalhoub, Mm. Stanley Tucci, but then also use Mini Driver, Rosalini, and Ian Holm. Sure. Instead of of Larry Block. Yeah. Yeah. Oh wow! Airline Man in restaurant, woman in restaurant, and stash. Oh, I guess stash. is the guy who can't pay. He's like, I yes. wish I could pay you in money, but yeah. Okay, I have some bad news too. I have uh, a new phone, and it's a Samsung. I jump ship on iPhone, and uh, Whoa, I dude. don't. I don't have the Dice app anymore. Let me see if I can find one online. Wow! Dice roller. Here we go. What made what, you take that what, one? Yeah, like what's going on, man? Uh, you want to you want to see what made me take the uh, take the plunge? You ready? Yeah. I'll show you what made me do it. You see this bad boy? Oh. Oh. Like I that? see. Yeah, I get the picture. <laughs> had to do it. Had to be done. I love the fold. I had. It's crazy. I I can't. <laughs> I mean, you were just you're you were in Apple's bag like completely. Yeah. How yeah. do you feel about your phone not syncing up with the rest of your life? I mean, I don't, it's, it does though. See, that's the okay. thing is that's a myth that the whole Apple ecosystem thing is a myth. Like everything, everything relates to everything. You can totally, uh, stream shit to your Apple TV using your Samsung device. Absolutely. Yeah. It's mm. ridiculous to think that like anything doesn't work. Like what your watch, my Apple, if I had an Apple watch, it would work with this phone. But luckily I have a uh, yeah. fossil watch, so it definitely works. <laughs> it, yeah. I mean, the Apple watch thing, I think is like the, the phone to watch relationship is maybe the, the thing that would like have some compatibility lost. And, but I know it would still work. Yeah. The, um, yeah. I mean, if this was like 10, 15 years ago, then, you know, you'd be fucked. But now sure. it's like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Everything. Everything yeah. Acts, dude. yeah. Wouldn't, I don't think you, you wouldn't be fucked. I mean, I, I've managed to make this work. Yeah, you for, would for die. A while. You would literally be on. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. But, okay. but you'll, you'll now have friends that are like, you're going to, like group text some friends and you guys were all Apple users and someone's going to be like, wait, who doesn't have an app? Like who doesn't have an iPhone now? Cause oh, like already, now yeah, the, the color of the text is yeah, yeah. different. And yeah. also People, uh, your, the media you send to each other is not going to show up as well. The video thing is my least favorite thing about it. The videos are a huge issue actually. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I send, I've, I've actually downloaded like a, a third party app like uh i like sending it like sending a video on whatsapp or group me or signal one of those uh is is the way to go for that it's just that 
that in and of itself is incredibly annoying that I have to yeah, use a well, third party app. You know, it's really dumb how Apple does a lot of things to make sure that I just don't understand why buy but, Apple. Yeah, but it's like, yeah, that's because uh, my phone takes great videos too, and then I'm sending them and they look like garbage. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's annoying. Anyways, but um, I'm using actually a Google something to do google photo share or some shit i don't know oh yeah to uh to do it anyways i rolled a five uh so that's going to be rosalini which means jr1 um because <laughs> you've seen uh these uh these guy madden films that she's in which i have not seen well before. that's true and those are that's a failing on your part Oh, dude, she's in Roger Dodger. I totally forgot she's in Roger Dodger with <laughs> with Campbell Scott. Uh, oh, fuck. I fucking thought about this earlier, but didn't write it down. I mean, it's almost like the same kind of deal where like, she's on the phone with, with the booze guy, as they yeah. call him. Mm. And just like that conversation, like we get this sense that like, oh, she like could be running the same affair with literally any person in town that she wanted to and mm-hmm. will be doing that as soon as she is done with Tucci sort of the way that, um, you know, she has like the office romance with her person of choice and Roger Dodger and moves yeah. immediately to the, uh, to the next person. God damn it. Mm. <laughs> doesn't count. Or I gave my rating. It doesn't count. You want to go higher? No, 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 no. <laughs> okay. my, my observation is meaningless since I didn't give it, uh, in the time span. Um, okay, uh, I'm at 12. I've not seen Joy. I'm at 12 for her, dude. Come on. It's pitiful. 10. 22. That's 12 plus Jesus 10. Christ, dude. Oh, my God. Okay, let's go right. to... Uh, I feel like all the things at the top are shit you've seen besides, like... Not Incredibles 2. 2. I haven't seen that. Like you've seen Fearless. You've seen Joel. I have not seen Fearless. I have not seen nice. Death Becomes Her. I have not seen Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. I've well, not seen Closet has. Monster. I don't know what the fuck that is. It's impossible to see Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. Yeah, which, like, it's been at the top of this. Have. Sure, but, like, uh, who's who's got fucking Fubo or Showtime? Is that what it's on? Yeah, because it's, it's an A2 release. Yeah. But, like, uh, my... My library didn't get like a DVD copy of it or anything. Mm, same. Okay. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh-oh. The number is 389 and it's 1900, which is like five hours long. No. So we're going to, we're going to jump to a different number. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even though I think I do have the Blu-ray of 1900 somewhere that I mm. can throw on, but That's I'm not real. going to. It's a real kill me now movie. Uh, the next number is 263. Oh, wow. You're going to have seen it. Thin Blue Line, I'm in. I've never seen it. Oh, no, what? It's totally the Thin Blue Line, dude. I've been meaning to watch this for years. Oh. <laughs> have you seen Darryl, it, Kevin? Documentary. I have. Uh, I might watch the uh, documentary now um, spoof of it. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Sweet. Perfect. All right. Um, Work assigned. Okay, so now I've got to go. Uh, it's my pick, right? Uh, yeah. Yikes. I've been looking at my list this whole episode, dude. <laughs> I don't know Is what it, the fucking pick. Listen to a single word we've said. <sighs> no, I have been. I just... Okay, we're going to watch a sort by length. Let's see. Which is the shortest film? <laughs> Can I do that? Yeah, there is. Hey, look at that. Shortest first. 
right. Oh, here we go. Cabin Boy. No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to watch Cabin Boy. <laughs> um, not today. Uh, fuck. We're going to watch. Sorry, I don't want to drag this out. It's time to go to bed. I want to watch fucking. How long is this? <laughs> okay, I think this is a good pick. It's a Western, though. <laughs> I hate to do another Western. Jesus Christ. Is it from 1996? Oh, it's from 1971, actually. 72. Oh, no. No good? I'm just, okay, I have no idea. <laughs> 72, yeah, dude. That's a pretty good year. Should I do that? It's all your, it's all your revisionist <laughs> I'm Western trying, crap. I'm trying not to pick a 90s film, dude, because you're complaining about 90s movies here. Well, but then I just, I, lo- I loved the one you just gave us, or that Kevin gave us. Sorry. It's true. Maybe that I'm is true. In, and, I, and I really liked Bound. That's um, true. You like Bound. That's ba- weird. Bound and Showing Up are both in like my top 15 <laughs> for that year now. Not bad. Not bad. Showing up. Hey, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I, just, I just really want to see showing up. I know. <laughs> um, fuck. Um, okay. Sorry, guys. Um, we're going to watch. <laughs> you know what? Fuck this. Oh, God. We're going to watch The Pledge from 2001, directed by Sean Penn. Okay. I feel and, like. Uh, starring Jack Nicholson. I feel like you just ended on like a punishment for all of us. Like you were no. mad at yourself for drawing I it like out. So you're like, pledge. now we're punished. I like the pledge. I gave it four stars last time right. I watched it. Teacher got mad. So now everyone's in trouble. <laughs> it's only two hours long. It's not super long. Um, okay. And right. none of you guys have not seen it. And uh, wow. I think that uh, it's, uh, as I recall, it's a great performance from Nicholson. And uh, mm-hmm. Benicio Del Toro is in this also. So that's exciting. Yeah, there's a lot of people in this. Yeah, Alan Mirren, Sam Shepard. Neil Dickey, Harry Dean Stanton, Tom Noonan. Vanessa Redgrave. Ryan, Patricia Clarkson, my favorite. Oh, yeah. Um, Patricia Clarkson. You do love her. Anyway, so next time on the show, we'll be watching The Pledge and The Thin Blue Line and, uh, you know, lots of other stuff I'm sure we'll be talking Mm -hmm. about. And uh, until then... Thanks for listening. Visit our website, filmmakepodcast.com. Write to us, filmmakepodcast at gmail.com. And uh, until then, you know, just keep on yakking in the free world. (laughs) (laughs) See you later. (laughs) Bye-bye. That was good. That was good.